One time I was drunk on a morning show in Montana. The host asked me if I had a nickname. Said my friends call me the Dirtbag King. She said on the air I started giggling. Hasn't had me back, but now I've got this podcast. Welcome to my podcast. Hey, thanks so much for tuning in. My name's Charles Ellsworth, and you're listening to A Dirtbag's Guide to Life on the Road. If you're not familiar with me, that's all right. You're definitely not the only one. I'm a songwriter first, musician second, somewhere down the line filmmaker. Pretty much I just like to tell stories. Some people have called me a jack-of-all-trades, master of none, and I'm definitely semi-professional at everything I do. Nothing single-handedly makes me a living, but it all adds up to getting by. Hey, Dirtbags, thanks so much for tuning in to A Dirtbag's Guide to Life on the Road. Uh, This is your head dirtbag, Mr. Chuck, Chuck Charles. Uh, Some call me Wildcat, not many, Uh, but the ones that do, it's appreciated, I guess. (laughs) Um, This week, we got my friend Jordan Jensen on the podcast. She's a stand-up comedian who hails from uh, Brooklyn, New York these days, but originally from Ithaca, New York, and... Yeah, she's uh, someone I actually met on a dating app, and um, we've hung out a handful of times. She's been to a couple of her shows, um, and the conversation is always just really good, and it's always um, really interesting. And uh, when my guest for this past week kind of dropped off last minute, I asked Jordan if she'd want to jump in, and she said yes. And we had this crazy long conversation and didn't even get super into like comedy and her story there. So I think this is going to be a two-parter. Um, this conversation's great. And I think that a lot of you will really enjoy it, especially as far as like exploring the world of uh, sobriety and mental health is, is when you're trying to be an entertainer and, and trying to find value in things that inherently don't really have monetary value in our society like music or stand-up comedy it's uh and it's also just fun we just like bullshit really well together and um i don't know she's quickly becoming one of my favorite people and i uh think you all will really enjoy her she's hilarious and um yeah i hope you all enjoy the conversation we had like i said this is going to be a two-parter so we're going to get more into the nuts and bolts of comedy and her life on the road with the next episode but um, I hope y'all enjoy this. If you want to support the show, you can listen to my music on whatever streaming platform you prefer. My name is Charles Ellsworth, if you're not familiar. And yeah, you can look me up there and give it a listen. Every stream adds up and, and kind of helps me get by and gets me a little bit more exposure. So please go there, follow me on Spotify or um, YouTube, whatever it is that you you listen to music on. Make sure you follow me and... Uh, um, yeah, save the songs to your profile, add the songs to your Spotify playlists or Apple Music playlists, whatever it is you use. That all just helps with the algorithm and it means a whole lot to me. It doesn't cost you a thing if you're already paying for a subscription. Um, another way you can help is just to leave a uh, rating in the iTunes store uh, as far as our podcast. Uh, five stars if you're feeling it, but you know, be honest. If you need to speak your truth, speak your truth. Those reviews really help and uh, would be much appreciated. Also, if you want to just share the podcast with friends, anyone that you think might enjoy it or um, 
you know, might like the subject matter, the conversations we have. I know I love podcasts, especially when they kind of get into weird nitty gritty things like I try and do. Um, if you know anyone that's looking for a new podcast, please speak up, let them know. We love the listeners. I'm trying to be as consistent as possible with the show and trying to show up every week that I can with a new guest and an interesting conversation. So I hope y'all are, are enjoying it. And uh, if you have any suggestions of people you'd like to see on the show or, um, you know, things you like or dislike about it, feel free to reach out. Um, you can reach out to me at on Instagram, charles.smellsworth. Um, I'm sure there's other ways you can reach out. My website's charlesellsworthmusic.com. Um, yeah, feel free. And then last but not least, if you want to just pitch in a couple dollars each month through our Patreon, patreon.com forward slash charlesellsworth. That makes a big difference for me, and it's all kind of leading to a big project I'm going to be announcing early next year. Um, I, I think Patreon's going to be what I'm going to be using to kind of replace the time and effort and lost income I normally get from touring. So I'm trying to figure out the best way to like really pump out a lot of really cool like songs and videos and things like that, and we're kind of putting together the plan. So if you want kind of some early access to a lot of the stuff I'm working on. Patreon's a great place to start and uh, it makes a big difference to me and, and makes sure that I have the means to make sure projects that I'm trying to make happen uh, can happen. Like make sure I've got like a budget for it that I can pay the professionals I try and work with and uh, yeah the, the money from Patreon has pretty much made all of the art I've released this year as far as music goes or videos it's pretty much made all of that possible so I want to thank all of the patrons who've been donating for a long time and been supporting me and anyone who's looking to throw a couple bucks our way that's a great way to do it and it makes a big difference for us so thanks again for listening I hope you enjoy this conversation I hope you are all having a great week I know this comes out on election day so fingers crossed that that motherfucker gets voted out and that we can start doing the long, long journey and all the work that's going to be involved in repairing what he's done and changing our society in a way that it benefits all people and not just billionaires and people with privilege. So, that all being said, here is my conversation with the lovely, hilarious, and talented Jordan Jensen. Enjoy. <laughs> Welcome to a Dirtbag's Guide to Life on the Road. This is your host, Chuck, Chuck Charles Ellsworth, and I'm with my friend, uh, Jordan Jensen. Hello. <laughs> hey, Jordan, how are you? I'm pretty good. Do you good. go by Chuck or Charles mostly? You ever went by Charlie? Never went by Charlie. Um, mm -hmm. Was never a really a big fan of it. Now it's like, I don't mind as much, but I prefer Chuck or Charles. I've been a... I was actually a Bradley, came, came out of the womb of Bradley. Wow, I can see that. Because my name's Brad. Charles Bradley Ellsworth, so I should be someone's butler. Wow, um, I mean, Charles Ellsworth said enough, but with Bradley in yeah, there, holy shit. Proper as fuck. Wow, it's like yeah, the name of a little penguin. It's crazy how like redneck and white trash I come from with a name like Charles Bradley Ellsworth. Yeah, mine is Jordan Ray, which is pretty redneck. Jordan Ray? Jordan Ray Jensen. You yeah, should be a, a you should be a country singer in know, Nashville. No, it's like Carly Ray Jepsen. Hey, you hear that new uh that new Jordan Ray tune? I really I really dig that Jordan yeah. Ray tune. <laughs> Joe Ray, if we could could be shortened to Joe Ray. Joe Ray. Mm -hmm. Jordan Ray. 
is your artist name and Joe Ray's your your debut album. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, and it's like, like about growing up in the in the sticks. Yeah, and your yeah. second your sophomore slump, it's not gonna do as well, but it's actually gonna have like a few gems that like diehards oh, are gonna really yeah, do. Yeah, and they're gonna remember. It's it gonna be back. called My Friends Call Me Joe. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Th- my screen name was Slow Joe. Slow Joe. Yeah. Which I um, never like thought. I always thought that was like cool, like a, a, like Biggie Tupac was. You know what I mean, like yeah, yeah. a rap name. But it just sounds like I was mentally disabled. Well, I f- <laughs> at least it wasn't someone else calling you Slow Joe. Yeah, that, mm-hmm. that would have been really. Rude. Yeah, I got to. I beat them to the punch. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mine was. Uh, there, there was always some emo shit. Yeah. <laughs> emo AF old Chuck. So, so yeah, I um I want to thank you, Jordan, for stepping in. the The guest I had scheduled this week uh, canceled. They get COVID, huh? They get COVID. No, my uh, someone else did, and I had to get a test because of it. But we're clear. Um, oh yeah, I saw that you got a test. You're negative. Yeah, the guy who's gonna hopefully be the director of photography on this music video I want to shoot. Um just told me that he tested positive and I was like with him this week outdoors and whatnot and I it came back negative so we know you had sex with him we know I, w- I mean yeah in, in the outdoor area at Diamond Reef yeah yeah mm-hmm. Where we all go? there was a lot of sex taking place <laughs> yeah did so. you get the thing sticking in your nose did it hurt yeah but they didn't go as far as like because I did the rapid test so they just did both nostrils but not as deep yeah I don't know what the deal is they it's switched like it it used to be awful. Yeah, I used the last time I did it, it was like, like uh, scraping the resin from my brain. Oh, yeah. So this one was less bad. This one was less bad, but it was also weird. Like, <laughs> this is an interesting start to the podcast. But like, I was thinking about it last night on my walk home from from the bar. We all were socially distanced, hanging out at, and I was on a little bit of mushrooms. And I'm walking back from the bar, and I was thinking back to the test that I got yesterday afternoon, and I and it like kind of flashed to me the the vision of me with like my head back and this like stranger with this Q-tip up my nose, and like ah. yeah, <laughs> and it was like um, like the mushrooms made me think of it like uh, um, Requiem for a Dream, like mm-hmm. when they shoot up and like the the pupils dilate and like blah, blah. it's like that whole sequence and i was like oh it's like the covid test like waiting in line looking at your phone like checking in having the thing up your nose oh, right <laughs> where know? it's all the sound effects yeah it's like, do, 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 do. yeah <laughs> i was picturing it like that and I'm yeah. like, oh, that's kind of funny you know just some stranger with like you a ever, fucking q-tip up my nose you ever have a moment where you're like something like that happens and you're looking up at something like you're at the doctors and you're looking at like one particular speck on a wall or something and you think to yourself like I'm going to remember, I'm going to try and always be able to hearken back to this memory. Do you ever like do that? Where you're like, something will happen, not even something significant, but just like, what if I could remember this moment where I'm looking at this thing forever? Like try and, and then you never ever can. It's never successful. Well, I I don't know if I ever do that um, with like a weird and like, sounds like you're saying just like an arbitrary. It could be completely Just arbitrary. like a not important moment. Yeah. I mean weird for me to ask if you can do it because my whole thesis is that you can't or if you do do that because my whole thesis is that you never remember when you do it i know that i do it but i never remember the moments but i do remember moments but not moments like specifically like this is kind of weird um so every time i hit my head really hard i get this like 
weird, and I think it's pretty normal, like this like weird smell, and then like this metallic taste in my mouth. Yeah, blood. And, yeah, <laughs> and then I have like a, and then I'll have like memories of a bunch of other times I hit my head, Whoa. like 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 football or snowboarding or or you know just like like these quick flashes of like moments because yeah the taste of the tin yeah makes you like that the metallic yeah. that weird like rattled feeling like throws me back to very specific moments like being in the pine trees or like surrounded by pine trees on the football field in high school or being like up in the mountains and like hitting my head on like a jump or what you know like just like weird things i have a thing where every time somebody goes down on me yeah. i have vivid vivid memories of completely lost times like things that i c- cannot believe are coming back up will really? come up. yeah it's co- it's so bizarre just things that you just never like a particular toy that i like really was fond of as a kid that i played with in a treehouse at one point i'll just like like flash back to that moment and see it so vividly really and it always i mean it's always happens when somebody's going down on me it doesn't it's happen any other time um, no, it definitely does. On mushrooms, it happens. It happens okay. with olfactory smell. But, like, it also, it's very particular to... It's, like, pretty much, I think, every time. There's, like, a weird, just, like, glimmer of, like, a fabric of a dress that I, like, had. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, like a Terrence Malick film. Yeah, <laughs> it's so crazy. It's or, like, a person that I, like, totally forgot about. Like, I have no idea what it is. Or I don't know why. That's amazing. Yeah, it's I crazy. W- I love that. Yeah. Oh. I never tell people that, like when it like bef- you know what I mean it's when happening. it's happening, yeah, yeah. Because it's like, but sometimes <laughs> I'm like, just like be telling them what you're seeing yeah. as it's happening, yeah. And I'm seeing it's like Jodie pa- Foster in Contact, like I'm seeing a bunch of lights and like. Uh. But I just uh, realized recently that it's something that happens, but it's always been it's crazy. It'll just be like flooded, and and then you're like completely taken out of it because you're like, well, now I'm fucking thinking about this insane. I forgot about that weird attic part that I had that was a you know, and then you're like, oh yeah, I'm supposed to be focused on what I'm doing here, but that's it's that bizarre. That's bizarre, but it's also awesome. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty cool. <laughs> it's like a teleportation it's like, device. It's like a weird sex deja vu. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like when I get hit, when I hit my head, I think about the time a kid threw a rock at me when I was like four. Yeah. But like when someone's going down on you, you think of other anything. anything. It's a gamble. Yeah. It could Dang. be anything at all. I mean, time is a flat circle. Everything's happening all at once. Yeah, totally. Know? Maybe I'm just more tapped in when I'm not relaxed. I I mean, there's... I there could be something to that, you know. Yeah. Like I, I don't want to sit here and just armchair science my way. I bet that's it, though. It, I bet the the mo- when you're like, because when you're having sex, you're like thinking about everything that's going on. You're like very much with the person, but when somebody's going down, and you're like, this is more about me. Like it's a singular. You know what I mean? Totally. And you're yeah. like sitting back in the recesses of your own brain, and then I think that's when. And same with mushrooms, where you're just like, totally. Let's see what gets in. Yeah. Yeah. Dude, mushrooms are. Mushrooms are wild. I mean, I think that they were put. I think that they are like grow naturally because we're all supposed to be eating them all the time. Yeah, I think that the world would be a much better place if like there was fluoride in the water, or there was mushrooms in the water instead of instead fluoride. of fluoride. Yeah, yeah, if people just like was were more open to just eating some mushrooms here and there. Yeah, you know, like I think um, I don't know. It just like opens like a whole different part of your brain to like 
levels of empathy and um it's like every everything matters but doesn't matter and it's all connected and it's just like oh i don't want to smush that spider because that spider's me yeah like, yeah i never want to eat meat when i do mushrooms yeah one time I, I we someone ordered a pizza someone who was not on mushrooms ordered a pizza and i took a bite of it and it was like had sausage on it or something like that and i was just like this is the strangest thing that has ever happened yeah Eating like a casing of animal, like a yeah, and like Papa John's pizza. While yeah. you're just like, you're like, this is, this is not what I'm supposed to be doing with my life. Yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah, 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 yeah. Even like, I this love this is not what this pizza, pizza should be doing with yeah, its life. <laughs> this pizza should not be hanging out with me. <laughs> I am not the right person for this pizza. Um, <laughs> yeah, I like, and every time I do mushrooms, there's like, I, I will be like, I will be brutally. I will be like brutally honest, but never in a malicious way. Like yeah. I'm like I, I feel like I become more capable of saying exactly how I'm feeling uh-huh. when I'm on mushrooms. But it's never like it's not like when you get drunk and you're like, and then I said exactly how I felt in that, and it was, and it's like a cruel thing. It's always like I really just feel like there's a like a like I'll be able to identify characteristics of people. You know what I mean? That totally. they're like that are like yes that's exactly how they are and they're like oh i feel like i feel very seen by your like you know what i mean i'm like i feel like a, i feel like you know sycamores very well you know what i mean you have a good relation to, and they're like yes i've always felt like a goddamn sycamore you know yeah but it's also like i don't know i've been doing mushrooms so much lately that i was on stage last night and i was like looking at all the people in their like wigs and i was like kind of at the show that was like a little bit like more like professional and I was like, whoa, I'm like having a moment where because I've been doing so many mushrooms, I'm so able to settle into what is happening in in this moment as opposed to like barreling through my set because I'm nervous about the professionalism of it. Yeah. And I was like, I like w- like sunk in and like looked at the people and then I just said to them, I was like, wow, I feel like I feel like I'm on mushrooms right now. And they all like it, all, it like created a whole different mood and environment. But it was it is like they do train you to like. You can't expedite life when you're on them. No, because you're and you're just like observing so much more. That I don't know. Like yesterday, I w- at the bar, we were, you know, everybody else around me is drinking, and I don't drink anymore. So I'm just like, you don't really drink anymore either. Mm-hmm, or, yeah. but I'm I'm on like a little bit of mushrooms, not like a significant amount. But at some point, I look over to Jericho sitting next to me, and I'm like. The being on mushrooms while everybody's like you when everyone starts to get drunk, it's like really noticeable. And I'm just like, this is goofy as hell. Yeah. Like, like drunk weird. people are just goofy as hell. Yeah. And Jericho thought that was so funny. I'm just like, and I don't I mean that in the most endearing way possible. Like it is hilarious to me. And I don't wanna I don't know. Not like I feel it's like I don't know, it's just weird. It's like such different frequencies. It's so crazy. Yeah, this drunk guy was all uh, just handsy with all the female comics the other night. He was so annoying. And I just, I, I like, eventually I ate these mushrooms, and then it, like, he kept bothering everybody, and I just finally turned to him, and I was like, you, you're you making everybody feel really uncomfortable with the way that you're approaching people. And I was like, also, it's strange that you keep, I was, I, like, I completely analyzed, like, the way that he was, because he kept doing this thing where he would do something, and they'd be like, I'm so sorry, is that weird that I'm doing that? And I was like, also, you keep having these caveats where you like apologize for things that you're saying and then we have to like give you your approval. And I was like, to be honest, it puts a lot of pressure on the person that you're talking to. And it's I think it's making us feel a little strange. And he was like, 
oh wow and i was like oh shit i didn't know <laughs> uh, did i say all of that to that fucking you. guy yeah but it's like you do become the analysis is like so he- you it, you become hyper analytical i feel like on mushrooms totally but not in a negative way not in like a, a this is what's wrong with me way no i mean i've definitely had eaten enough mushrooms so i kind of like lost it and kind of things went dark because they went inward in a weird way but like i never regretted it yeah yeah you know like i've definitely had some like trips that like got messy yeah um and but it's also like a few hours later you're like man i was just crying because the sunrise was so beautiful but really it was about like Mm -hmm. like repressed memories or, or like not repressed memories but like emotions or whatever like things that uh, really i was thinking about this thing or whatever and it's really therapeutic yeah totally so Touched. speaking of repressed memories yes um no i'm just kidding uh, <laughs> so let's uh this is usually we don't get into the mushroom talk until later on but this is great i'm um, a mushroom queen I always talk about it i can't help it i just love i mean i think it's i'm a big advocate for psychedelics and i think um I should start a psychedelic podcast. Yeah, Because totally. I talk about them so much. I would love to be a guest on your psychedelic podcast. I want to have a podcast where we do psychedelics. I start. I wanted to start Zoom... Um, what was it called? Z- Zoom on Shrooms. Zoom on Shrooms. Because everybody's doing these Zoom shows where I just do shrooms. But then I was like, the last thing I'm going to want to do is look into a computer screen when I'm on mushrooms. You're just going have to have someone, have someone follow you around with a computer. Yeah. Like, filming you with a computer, which is also, like, really meta and funny and weird. Yeah, but, yeah. Um, where are you from, Jordan? I'm from Ithaca, New York. Ithaca. Yeah, where Cornell is. Cornell. Uh-huh. Cool. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's a hippie town. Um, it's very liberal. Um, it's a little bit up its own ass, I'd say, in sort of an Asheville, okay, you know, yeah. kind of way, but not, not like in a bolder way, you know. It's like they would have been really pissed at Bob Dylan for yeah going electric. Totally. Yeah. But like that was kind of misguided anger in a way. Right. Right, right, right. They it's were really upset about the Vietnam War. Yes, exactly. I don't, I don't even know why I'm talking about They <laughs> were the I've never seen more people in my community cry than when Al Gore won and then lost to Bush in that moment. Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah. It was like and it was like the opposite where I grew up. Really? Yeah, the majority of the people and I I mean I don't remember well enough to like i do remember because i was like 13 or something at that point but it was also like i don't know it's ithaca's like it's a hippie town but it isn't a hippie town and like it's not a hippie town in the sense of um organic yuppie it's almost like like a like a sex cult sex culty oh yeah like that documentary about the way uh-huh that's fucking that feels like ithaca really the vow or whatever yeah oh okay yeah, yeah. it feels a little like you go in there and people are like very eye contacty and very like they're very much like i i it's not like woke it's not like i'm speaking my truth kind of thing it's more like um you need to be an active listener for your children so that they grow up with a solid foundation of a, you know what i mean it's like very um, like self helpy. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's what you mean by up at its own ass. Yeah. A little bit. That makes sense. Yeah, totally. Does uh, 
What what was growing up like in Ithaca? What did you? Well, I had a really weird dichotomy. I had so I was born on a farm in Lansing, which is like rural okay. and way more red, not blue, not liberal. And that's where my dad bought his farm, and my mom and dad lived there together and then they when they split up my mom moved into Ithaca cuz she like became a lesbian became she's always been liberal they were both liberal he yeah. was like a hippie and was like I'll buy a farm in the sticks like I don't care if I'm surrounded you know For that, sure. that doesn't but then and it was like a commune and then my mom moved into the city the city it's not a city the town and so I had half my life was very much like it was split between like country with a million animals and cats and like dog hair girl you know mm -hmm. and then you know the liberal country granola co-op membership okay yeah so it was both so it was very i was like half hick half hippie you're a hickster yeah a hickster that's, yeah. What, we used to, that's what i used to call it back in the day yeah that's what it is wow so yeah that's a good phrase yeah yeah like totally. when i w when i was like a redneck working at urban outfitters <laughs> in yeah, 2009. totally. Um, <laughs> that's a that uh, man. That's a I don't know what I'm trying to say. Wild, um, the wild ride. Wild ride, very much a wild ride. So you, how old were you when they split up? Two. Oh, so your like entire reality has been split. Okay. Like going back and forth between them. But like you, your all of your memories have been them. Yes, totally. not together anymore. Yeah, I have. Yeah, I have some memories of them. Okay. Like dealing with the divorce, and because it like took years to deal with it, because they were it was so not. I don't know. He, my dad did not want to get divorced from my mom. Oh really? Yeah, totally. And then, so it was like, yeah, I had years of, but only them, never them like together. I don't have any memories of that. Okay. Yeah. And so what what happened next? Or as you got older, like, were you living in Ithaca for most of, like, growing up? Yeah, I went to school in Ithaca, and then you know, I went to elementary school in Ithaca, but then I was very, I, like, hated school a lot. I had, like, I had pretty bad OCD, so school was hard for me. I was mm -hmm. really, like, I had, like, I was just, like, a... I was also very social. Like, the only thing that really mattered to me was just hanging out and friends and, like, so my parents had me go to ACS, which is the alternative community school, which is like a sixth grade through 12th grade, super hippie school. Mm -hmm. Like it's public, but it's like the, the textbook was Howard Zinn's people's history of the United States. Like that was all oh, yeah. we read in, you know, history classes. And like the, the pledge of allegiance was, um, I pledge allegiance to the earth and all the life, which it supports one planet in our care, irreplaceable, with sustenance and respect for all. That was our pledge. So Damn. it was like super hippie. Yeah, sold weed yeah. to my teacher all the way up to my teachers. And um, You say you sold weed to your teacher? Yeah, totally, yeah. And it was like, you know, we would like, you could, you knew when we, everybody was all high. I mean, I, I the music classes were us like having drumming circles. Like I do not know chemistry. I do not know geography. College was super difficult for me because of this class, but, or because of this school, but it was like, it was the best thing ever. We, it was 32 kids in my grade. Wow. Yeah, it was there was no sports besides like frisbee. Dang. Which wasn't competitive. <laughs> yeah. <It's just> <laughs> <laughs> Your school is like the um like the example that like 
teachers at my school would probably use for like making yeah. a joke of a place, like like a place that doesn't actually exist in their minds. Yeah, like they would be like, that's that's so, that's wild. wild. Yeah. Um, yeah. What what were you into? What did you do? Like, what? And this was like twelve through or six through twelfth grade. You said. Yeah, six through twelfth grade. I so I was like, probably in sixth grade. I was like a super chubby mall goth. I was really into, you know, punk, and I was really, really defiant. I was, I, I lived in the principal's office. Like, I really, I got in trouble all the time. It was my favorite thing. There was no more joy that I got than just wreaking havoc. I would just, and I would, I just was, it was me and my little punk friends would just like go to shows and mosh and like, steal shit and like break into places and and that was like probably yeah starting in like seventh or eighth grade and then yeah ninth grade I, I started moving into more like okay I'm actually gonna try and like it was still like punk and going to shows but it was a little bit more like uh I, I was getting kind of interested in the the school was really heavy on like ecology and like um it was it was getting into like um global warming and stuff and i was like i find that kind of interesting so i started getting a little bit more academic but was still pretty bad and then in and i like you know my braces came off i started losing weight i became like you know more of like a cool girl but was still like the class clown mm -hmm. and then 10th and uh, and then you know the rest of high school was I was like a hippie who wanted to save the world through like journalism or something. Oh, cool. Yeah. And then I went to college for journalism and then ended up in philosophy school. Nice. Yeah. What, uh, what does, uh, like what, what kind of, I don't know. I, what kind of hell does a high school kid in Ithaca raise? Like, or, um, were you guys, cause I, I mean, I've never been to, never been to Ithaca. So it's, it sounds like, so Cornell a is like city, but not like it's like a town. Well, there's College Town, okay. which is all Ithaca College and Cornell students. Oh, okay. And we would just march up there, go into these parties with college kids, and just like steal their liquor, steal their iPhones. I mean, their iPods. You know what I mean? Like just, or just like. I, I can't remember if I was arrested. I wasn't arrested till later, but I've always had the problem with authority. But like, I would shoplift all the time i would i think i stole my mom's car a couple of times i was like 13 and oh, you know yeah it was definitely or just like it you know they're gorgeous you just go and get fucked up at these giant waterfalls you know it was like okay yeah yeah totally yeah well that's um that's the like when you were because we used to steal liquor from parties in high school, just like me and my friend Aaron um, go to like the neighboring town. We knew of a party that some people were at and like I'd like go and talk to people while Aaron would like stuff beers in his backpack and then we'd go like drink them in the forest with our friends and yeah. shit like that. Yeah. Um, and it was always more for the story than it actually was for the beer. Totally. Yeah. You know, like it's like, I mean, I especially in high school, because like. I definitely enjoyed drinking in high school, but I didn't enjoy beer. Like I didn't enjoy the taste of any of it. You know what I mean? It was just like I was like a reason to like escapism type shit, or just like being kids trying totally. to get fucked up. But like the most fun I ever had was always 
doing dumb shit like that. It didn't even matter if we were drinking or or I didn't even really smoke pot in high school like a handful of times. But I also I couldn't get in trouble. Like my parents, they'd never. I've never been grounded. I've never. I mean, I would I would jump the fence in elementary school and run home, and my parents were like, "Yeah, that's fine." Like they don't just they're just like, "Yeah, this is all bullshit." Yeah, they. Yeah. Da- I mean, my mom when we were in high school would buy me and my my friends liquor so that we'd stay safe and do it at the house. But I just was like, I mean, I still obviously am performing. Like I am, I have like an addictive personality to like the adrenaline thing, and it was. Yeah. I mean, just like even just being like, we're gonna, you know, Ithaca has this big like gun factory that was just this abandoned huge tower and it was like we're just gonna climb to the top of that you know just oh like yeah pl- yeah. yeah it was we just like do all kind of like there's a radio tower on top of a mountain outside of our town yeah and it's just like i'm gonna go steal that light from the top of that tower and you get up there and you're like well you can't steal the light totally but we're all the way up here check this out like yeah uh, yeah it's so it wasn't like i was getting in trouble you know i could do i you know my parents it was, I was just also like, I didn't understand, I, I didn't get the trajectory of things. I mean, I, I didn't understand why I was supposed to be doing good in school. I didn't, yeah. it, none of it made any sense to me. It was just like, and I still don't like that. I mean, I still am very much like. Yeah, well, I I always had that part of me that was like, like I always wondered what, what I would have ended up like had I had parents, like, like the situation where I couldn't get in trouble. Because yeah. it's like. I wasn't, my parents weren't as strict as like some of my friends, but like also the, you know, there was most of high school, every minute I was late past curfew, I was grounded a day. Oh my God. Yeah. No so way. So like weekdays, it was like 10 p.m. Um, and then weekends was like midnight. You know, and there's like a handful of times that I was like. Minute? Every minute you were late? Yeah. Every minute I was late, I'd get grounded for a day. No way. Yeah. And you'd cut it so close. Yeah. And they were, I mean, and they weren't like super hardcore about it, but sometimes they were. Or if I was like consistently late a bunch of times, they'd be like, well, you're grounded for like seven days now, you know? But like if it was like a few minutes, it wasn't the end of the world. Okay. Um, but yeah. It w- so like, but you're talking about being like a g- moth, a moth gall kid, a goth <laughs> mall kid. Um, <laughs> Is like I was like got super into skateboarding and punk rock in like sixth seventh grade and like I was like a nice preppy kid before that, and I, I like tried to get as punk rock as I could, but like you know you could only I could only go so crazy because my I, my parents were fucking terrified. Yeah, you know, so it's like, and I was like, I don't. What I, would happen? You would go. You would want to go to a show or you would want to... Well, like I would go to shows, but I mean just like dressing the part and like oh like wow. really just like just not giving a fuck. Because like for so long, most of my youth, most of my... Uh, like so much of me didn't give a fuck, but knew I had to and didn't want to give my parents any more like problems than they already had. Like they had a bunch of fucking kids and like... like I mean we weren't like really poor, but we weren't wealthy. Like money was always something they were worried about. You know what I mean? So it's just like, yeah, I could just like be a total rebel. And then what? Like, and then just cause more problems for mom and dad and the other kids. And so Mm -hmm. I kind of like kept my head down for the most part. And I was also like, I just didn't get caught. Like if I was going to break rules, I knew how to just get away with it. Yeah, totally. So I don't know, but it, it is just interesting to like, I wonder what, how different, because I did kind of whatever the fuck I wanted in high school, but within like 
being home by midnight. Yeah, they, I think that the punk things would never bother my moms. Um, I think they knew that I was, because I was like, I mean, I was like a chubby kid. Mm -hmm. So when I started being like, I'm going to wear all black and look like this, they were like, yeah, you're, you'll feel better. That will feel better to you than trying to squeeze into these little Abercrombie clothes that your friends are wearing. Like I, mm-hmm. we, you know, that makes total sense that you want to, I could just wear huge, like rancid shirts that were, you know what I mean? Or yeah, Jinko totally. jeans and just like cover myself and feel like nobody could make fun of me. Cause I already was like, and I also, the big, the other thing was, it was like, I don't know. The humor was like, I was very much the class clown, so it was like me being punk was in... It was just hand-in-hand hand with this, like, rebellion thing. And my moms were very much, like... They just were so privy to it because we're so emotionally open with each other that mm-hmm. they were, like... They knew exactly what I was doing. I wasn't like, fuck you guys. I'm going to wear this, you know, wallet chain in order to... I was like, can I get a wallet chain? Because it might make me feel kind of pretty, you know? And they were yeah. like, of course you can. Like, get whatever studs you want, you know? And my mom is like... She's like a, you know, pretty hardcore, like, she's as, you know, I can't use the word, whatever, the, you know, she's, she's a very aggressive lesbian, I should say. So she was like, yeah, that dog collar rules, dude, you know? Yeah, fuck yeah, cool. But my dad and my sister were really hard on me. Like, my sister was really, my, me and my sister look. She an older sister? Yeah. And I, okay, so and you s- keep saying moms and the oh, audience sorry. My, isn't I have lesbian familiar. moms, yeah. Yeah, yeah, just cuz I I know um cuz we're friends but like yeah. uh so your mom remarried or My mom was uh remarried to Michelle and then they kind of like raised me together with my dad kind of pretending to be a dad on the side and then uh they split up and Michelle married Donna. So now like it it feels like and my dad has since passed away and it feels my mom is like the closest per- person to me, best friend, just dad, everything wound up in a person. And then Michelle's very maternal and loving. And Donna is like the like kind of stepdad. Oh, okay. Very much like, let me, I'll use her truck when I go home. She gives me weed. She gives me money when I need it. And I don't want to tell the other moms. Michelle is like the one who like sends me healthy food. And my mom is the one that I talk to every day. You know, it's like. Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. yeah. No, I just want to make sure that everybody's. Yeah. Because it's such an interesting, like dynamic and yeah. like unique that uh, and i love that you're just like yeah my lesbian moms like yeah yeah three of them and it's like and they're very close now they're i mean they're very tight they've i mean they've always been really close but how yeah. old were you when when these things happened sorry to so mom the story again mom dated men for a while but um then yeah this one awful woman like fell in love with her and they were together for a while that was so bad until i was it wasn't bad, but that woman was just ugh. <laughs> and she lived with us and was, and I didn't think anything of it. I was like, yeah, mom wants to be with a woman. I don't, that doesn't, I was like, I have female friends, and if they moved in with me, that would be sick, you yeah, know? Yeah, totally. But my sister was really, t- like. Your sister's older. Yeah, my sister's six years older. Oh, okay. And we're very different. My sister, like, I mean, we're similar, like, yeah. So my sister was a sp- athletic she played all the sports she was super into boys she was very attractive and and like thought that my life was gonna be miserable because i was you know this little 
creep and thought that mom was ruining her life because becoming a lesbian and just wanted to, to go back to mom and dad being together. And okay, so she was older. She's like probably angsty teenager when yeah, this stuff's going on. Totally. Yeah, the, and in the nineties, early two thousands. Yeah, not easy. And um, and people were weird about it. You kind of forget. You think it's Ithaca, so people don't care. But like people were, people would not let their kids come over well, to our house. The, yeah, the dialogue and stuff like that was so. Fucking, yeah. Yeah, it's. There were so many, like, because my dad ended up in prison for a long time. So there were kids that weren't, I wasn't allowed to hang out with just because my dad was in prison. Like, right. And that's like a whole other thing, let alone, like, I can't imagine. Like, in my, I mean, even in, in my hometown, like, the, like, the lesbian mom thing would have been, like, huge, like, really? Scarlet Letter or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think it, it felt like it was, like, this guy, it did. And it and nobody would really acknowledge it because it's Ithaca and the you know the most liberal place. But it's like, if you just be like, we can have the you, we, your birthday party can be at our house, and they'd be like, no, we can't. And it's like, y- there was just this undertone thing yeah. that wasn't really um, said, and it was a it felt a bit like your parents are perverts. Like there's a perverted thing. Yeah, that's um, that's so. And the dialogue back then, too, as far as nationally, like, it wasn't as well accepted. And I don't know. I can't imagine what that would have. Yeah. And it's like, if you see a man, like, walking around and he has his, like, hand in his wife's back pocket, you're like, oh, that's an adorable heteronormative, like, child rearing, you know, to be walking around. But if you see, you know, my mom with her hand in, like, a slightly younger woman's back pocket, it's like, you just notice it quicker and you're like, all right, so... I'm fine with her being a lesbian, but look how like handsy she is with her partner. You know what I mean? It yeah. just is like a whole different thing. But well, because people are so terrified. This is all like I don't know. People are terrified of or discomfort, even the slightest bit of discomfort. Yeah. People just reject it so much. That's why the racism arguments or like the conversation's so hard to have with people that it's like, no, like we're all racist. It's a racist society, and we're all like. And like it's it's important for us to all acknowledge this weird shitty discomfort I feel when I see a woman with her hand in another woman's back pocket. Yeah. And it's like the fucked up thing is people like turn that like slight discomfort into like 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 weaponize it. Yeah. When totally. it's just like no, just work on your shitty self. Like work on the weird discomfort you feel because that's in you. Like, yeah. I don't know. Sorry, it's I'm weird going how on a quickly, tangent. But it's weird how quickly the decision will be made. Like, like. It's even like when you get in a fight with somebody and you're like, God, where is that? Like my roommates, you know what I mean? I'll be like, I'll say something to them. And the other one is like, says something back. And I find myself defending myself. And in that moment, I'm like, you always do this. And that narrative just persists because in that moment I got insecure and just said, you always do this. And then I hold on to that. You know what I mean? So like in that moment, if somebody made the decision of like, you know, Jordan's mom is like, really physical with her partners in a way that I don't really want my kids to see, even if she was straight, that, that narrative then like gets pulled into the community as that, like with like race stuff where you're like this, this decision about race was made. And it like, it's crazy how once it gets it metastasized into vocabulary, it becomes like a hard, real truth. And it moves away from the actual insecurity of like, 
man, I don't, you know, I don't have that kind of relationship with my partner or like, man, it makes me feel uncomfortable to see them expressing themselves physically when my husband hasn't touched me in 15 years. You know what I mean? Uh, like, yeah, totally. Or whatever it is. Or like, I'm worried that my daughter will go to Jordan's house, get the idea in my head. She already seems a little gay. What if she goes to Jordan's house, gets the idea in her head that it's okay to be gay, which did happen to many of my, not that they were like, they were like, your mom is the one who made me think I could date women. But it was like, and they're like, and then what if her life is hard forever? Which is yeah. a real fear, you no, know? No, totally. And it's, I mean, it, the, these little jumps that we make um, and these little assumptions or whatnot, they're like based in like partial truths and things yeah. like that. And it's, but it all, it all like adds up to like a, it's like a, a net negative. It's a, it's like the, the people that are like, um, I mean, I don't, I don't like the like Trump's words and things like that, but you know, like I think he's doing great things or, or whatever, or like uh, I don't know. It's it's people denying that our our president being like saying racist and like um, misogynistic things like aren't gonna affect yeah everything. It's like oh he's oh it's not as bad as like or people aren't being. Like racism isn't worse because our president. It's like no, these words turn into a reality. Like I'm, I'm doing a really yeah, bad, totally really bad it job of ex. It's of just dangerous. This. Well, yeah, it's like okay on a smaller scale. As far as, um, for me personally, is like the way I talk and interact with myself and with the world around me, and like, you know, just like making my fucking bed every morning. These little things add up to like me feeling like a better overall person and then they all add to better choices and blah 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 you know yeah the little negative choice you made or like oh she's being kind of handsy or blah 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 you know what i mean like and it kind of starts breaking down to like i don't know it adds up to like you create your own reality and so like i don't know even having that thought as far as like you know seeing your mom putting her hand in her partner's back pocket is like yeah. I don't know. It's like that not working with that discomfort in the moment leads to worse shit down the way. It's the, the, uh, that this podcast, not podcast, this lecture series of this like genius who made the decision to, instead of write a book, release YouTube lectures. Yeah. And it's like the best thing I've ever heard. And it's all about, I mean, he just goes down the history of religion and philosophy and all, it's all about self deception and how like that's like us lying to ourselves is inherently it creates realities, but it also creates like a chasm within us that we like know exists. It's just like, it's like when you, you know, you know, you shouldn't be doing something and you can't continue doing it. It mm -hmm. just like you double down. It's like, you know, like when you go to your friend and you're like, Hey, you know, they're, they're like, I have an alcohol problem. And then as soon as they acknowledge it, they just start drinking twice as much. You know what I mean? Like you double down to reaffirm what you don't want to believe because you know, you found the truth in there. So you like create this hard shell of like a phony reality, which is like really dangerous. Totally. It's uh, and it's all based in one's well, identity. Yeah. Or yeah. Like totally. Because it's the weirdest thing to try and be like tribalistic. Like we're, we're inherently tribalistic creatures. That's just like, that's where I think racism and all, and well, <laughs> these initial, it's like, do I have a cat? <laughs> I really don't know how that happened though, and it is a little spooky. Um, uh, no, but it is a spooky night. It is kind of a spooky night, day after Halloween. Um, but dang, that distracted me from you. Tribalism. 
Oh, yeah, yeah. So, like, well, the weird thing about trying to, like, be unique and have, like, some form of identity not as, like, a tribe, but also while being tribalistic. Does that mean you're, like, yeah. trying to fit into a, an in-group, but also, like, stand out within that group? I mean, that is our biggest problem right now. Is, like, yeah. I mean, I think that if we had tribalism, it would be, we'd be all right. But the hyper-individualism of the United States is, like, or the Western culture, I should say, is so it's so hot it's so um tied to our fear of death and it's it feels so like i mean even you know you're a musician i'm a comedian like Mm -hmm. it it's very important for us to have a brand the identity the you know what i mean and you know it's within the my tribe of female comics it's if there's another comic that comes in that's like a you know has a similar way as me it feels like an immediate threat you know uh-huh. yeah. and that is not like that would ever happen because uh, because i'm a funny yeah. person in brooklyn um but like it is it does feel like an immediate threat and it is like it feels like a survival mechanism in the united states that like the only way that you will be able to survive here is if you're able to be like a unique coveted person that will like that people will have a demand for in your individual in individuality, but it also feels like you have to have a social tribalism because you'll be ostracized without it, which means you get a group of people who believe something, and then within that you have somebody who has to be extra loud, extra decisive about these things, which means you're getting the most extreme um, perspectives without any, like, deviation or empathy or ro- yeah. wiggle room. So you have somebody who's like, this is so this is it it is black and white and i'm the guy who says that and you're like what about the ethereal everything is shifting and we all are doing our very best and working with it and growing and they're like no 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 that won't work because i have to like stand my ground in who i am or else i won't be able to be commodified no that's that's i mean honestly like uh, i'm gonna sound like such a liberal cuck but like that's white supremacy (laughs) like that's it's this idea of like individual supremacy that stems from like it's it's anti-community and that's what capitalism kind of is is anti-community because it's all about like collecting the imaginary whatever more so than the other people you know like you you can't have billionaires without having poor people like Mm -hmm. it doesn't work that way um totally so i don't know yeah (laughs) this it's funny i love the tangent or the like how far off the rails mm. we've gotten, but it's so I don't know. I feel like it's so relevant to, um, man. I, I had something I want to tie it to, but now I can't see the the bridge there anymore. Mm-hmm. So what are we bridging to? Oh, I just, I just had another thing I wanted to talk about. Another tangent. Oh, no. oh, oh, <laughs> another tangent. Yeah. Oh, I see, I see. But I, I kind of wanted to actually pull it back into. Um, you were saying like way before we started this tangent that it was like really hard on your dad and sister when your mom started dating women and yeah they did not they did not handle it well no my dad was like my dad never spoke i mean he was like very hostile when that happened and then kind of he was the masculinity was very bruised the um he was Devastated because he's madly in love with her for sure. Yeah. Um, my mom is super magnetic. She's very gregarious. She's very funny. She's very intelligent. 
but and she's also bi. My mom is super bi. Yeah. So she still would be with a man now, you know. So it's not like she was like, I'm finally liberated to be with women now that I'm not with, you know, your da- your father. It was never like that. It was like yeah. your dad smokes weed all fucking day. He thinks he's a cowboy and he's delusional. I need to go be around people who are going to have real conversations and not think that they're going to be like Hemingway meets the Marlboro man. Like, this is crazy. You know, it was never like, I'm going to people, I think view my mom and are like, she liberated herself from a heteronormative marriage in order to be with women. No women fawn over my mom and she, they're 29 years old and she's like, sure. I'll date you until I'm done with you. You know, Michelle was like a perfect partner to raise her children. And then when that ended, my mom is, she's not been like, super serious with other people she dated men dated women but i mean she would definitely if she was here she'd be like i am a lesbian men are awful but it's not really down to a sexual thing she just thinks men are banal and pedestrian yeah um which they are yeah and uh (laughs) she's not wrong she's not wrong and um but my dad took it like Right in the masculinity. Yeah, and he just, like, never even really believed that she was fully gay. She was like, this is, that's crazy. But, um, yeah, he was also, he got, he got super violent when they split up. She took us away from him. That made him more upset. Um, so, you know, and we also, once my sister was a teenager, she didn't really want to go out to the farm. You know what I mean? She wanted to stay in the city. That made him more upset Mm -hmm. i was at that time dyeing my hair blue and you know wearing hot topic clothes and having eyeliner on and like black lipstick you know what i mean and he was just like what has this liberal bitch done to my not liberal bitch but this like town ithaca like of course she's turned my children against me so they were like very much at odds and Jamie, my sister, she just didn't, my my mom's girlfriends, she just fucking, she just hated them. She just hated them because they would try and like, they would, they would try and be like, maybe your daughter should, they would try and be like maternal, which my mom is not. Oh, and yeah. J- and Jamie would be like, you're not my mom, get out of here. Whereas I was like, you can, you, please braid my hair, that's so nice. Yeah. I, yeah, I love that. But Jamie was like, fuck out of here, I don't need any of that. You know, like, uh-huh. I don't want. I don't need another mom, you know. Um, but yeah, then years later, we became, or you know, I became super close with my dad after I stopped being a gothic freak, and then I started like working for him, doing carpentry, and then we became like best best buds because I started like smoking weed with him all the time, and we were like, and he was like, "I'm so sorry, I just was so afraid for you." I didn't, you know, and he yeah. apologized for all this stuff, but. Um, and then we got really close, but yeah, the whole, he never really, he never spoke to my mom. Oh, really? They, they didn't really. I mean, there were a few times where they would be in the same space and when they were, it was so fun. Like they would be in the same space and you'd, and you'd watch as they like, you know, like whatever the Western music, you know, around and they would like hit on each other's girlfriends kind of, and you'd be like, oh shit. And like. Everybody would like try and, and then they'd get together and it'd be like rugby stories, like living on the commune stories, like them singing like old rugby chants together and just being like bros, but like oh, just 
Yeah, but like watching those barriers slowly come down must yeah, have been like. But at the audience of people watch. watching, never like remember this, Jack. But like, we would do this, and then mom would be like, "No, no, no, it was like this." But two other people, and you're like, "Dude, you guys must have had a blast." Like, no yeah. wonder it was so hard on you to break up. You guys were like buds. But yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and your dad was probably just like settled in, like this is it. Like I'm fucking. Yeah, uh, hasn't made. Yeah. Yeah, and and to have your mom kind of be like. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't know. I'm just, I'm guessing based on what you said, but that would have been really, really difficult to deal with. Yeah, she was very, she was like going to be like a big, large animal vet. Like they had a carpentry business together, and like out in the farm, he was like, I have my wife, I have my two girls. Like this is everything I want. And my mom was just like, I think she started having conversations with people and was like, oh my god, I need to like be yeah. social and be talking to people and not. You know, because before it was just sports. She just did sports forever yeah. and, and carpentry, and that satiated her. But then once the philosophy and conversation came in, she was like, oh, shit. How, and I kind of want to get back to talking more about you personally, but how old were your parents when they split up? Do you know how old, like, they were? Uh, okay, so if my mom was 32 when she had me. Okay. And I was two... When they split up, so she was 34. Oh, okay. Yeah. Cool. And they were about the same age? Dad's two years older, so. Oh, okay. He's cool. He would, he would be 64 now, or I don't know. It's but, yeah, 30s. It's just interesting now being, like, in in my 30s as far as, like, um, or just putting into context how old people were when things like that went down, like when my parents split up or, like. Yeah, how old how, were you? How old was I? Yeah, or? when they split up. I was 10-ish. It was like kind of like a messy type thing. Like, you know, my mom took us from him and like we weren't allowed to see him anymore and he went to prison and it was, um, so it, yeah, it was a bit, it was like a two year kind of thing of, of him like not going to prison yet and always being worried that he'd like to show up and like, Oof. or try and like take us from school or some shit. It was kind of, it was like some some sketchy stuff and that age also i mean 10 is like you're so you are very impressionable and you haven't like you don't have like so much a unified sense of self that you can like rely on everything's just so shifty and spooky as it is yeah it was uh, what was really um i don't know if i've talked about this on the podcast but he was like he went to prison because he was a child molester what yeah Oh my so god, I did, I did not know that. Yeah, which is like crazy. Um, and so when my mom found out, she like you know, took us from him and um, and like uh, you know like obviously tried to keep keep him away from us for as much as possible. But as How there was like a two year, if you've talked about this on the podcast, yeah, I don't think I have. Are <laughs> you serious? Yeah. Um, but he, yeah, it was like uh, that two year period before he w- actually went to prison that. W- you know, we were like constantly worried about him. You know, like just doing. How did she stuff. find out that this? I will not. I will cease my questions until after the podcast. Are you laughing, Dave? Um, it's like it kind of gets weirdly personal, and I like. Yeah. Okay. I, I just don't like a, a lot of that story is like a, like other people's to get really deep into. Right. You know what I mean? Um, someone like. It just became like known that he had been violating someone. Yes. And and 
my mom found out and was just like, okay, I'm going to the cops right fucking now. It, you know. Beautiful yeah. that your mom did that. Damn. That, yeah. I mean, there are so many families that that doesn't happen. Totally. No, my mom's a, f- a remarkable human being, and there's, there's pl- plenty of... Were they in love when they happened? I don't know. I don't... Th- it's like... It's like weird because because like back to like the whole age thing or whatever um, or, you know, trying to put into context how old people are when things happen. It's like, you know, my he was 19, I want to say, and she was 21 when they had their first kid. They had my older sister. And then in like six or seven years had five more kids or four more kids, five more pregnancies. There was a miscarriage in there. Because, like, they're Mormon. My mom converted to Mormonism and then, like, a little bit later met my dad. And, you know, and it, but, like, that's what, you know, young women just turn into fucking baby factories. Like, that's, especially, like, back then, it might be a little bit more progressive now. I don't know. It's the Mormon church. But, so, like, my mom essentially for her 20s was just pumping out babies. Wait, how many were in the 20s? How many were born? Five? There's five of us. All in the 20s. Yeah, by the time she was 28 or 29, she had five kids. Oh, my God. I'm 29. Yeah, yeah. Holy shit. No, totally. And so, but that's, like, something I, I think about because, like, uh, um, you know, my dad was, like, all kinds of a piece of shit. But, like, there's, uh, <laughs> I think about times that he was, like, violent towards me and, and things like that. And I put it into context of, like, my age and I'm like, oh, I was like fucking ten, and he was like hitting me like that. Like, what the fuck? Like, that's fucking crazy, you know. But then also realizing, so like, crazy. Think about the small, like, ar- like you see a ten year old now, and you're like, look at your small yeah, body, yeah. like your little soft. Like, it's crazy to think about it. For sure. And then to also put into context that it's like, and like that motherfucker was like twenty nine, thirty when he was doing yeah. that. So it's like, I mean. I don't know. It's it's just weird to put it into context now because like I'm older than he was the last time I saw him, so my like yeah. concept of like what a man is or whatever. It's like my stepdad was around and he's like, it's like I got two different examples of like my stepdad's like, like one of the most morally like right people I've ever met. He's just like the fucking, the, he's just the dude. He's just like the American male, almost to a fault. Like as far as like not super emotional but like he's just like reliable there like he's you need something done he does it blah 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 you yeah. know just like a fucking rock and then my real dad he's like a fucking creepy like scam artist too you know what i mean yeah. like um but it's no it's just funny to like now be like i'm like more adult than he was any time i actually knew him or interacted with him so now i can like fully condemn his actions you know what i mean because i'm I totally know what you mean yeah it's, it's like i'm also i'm not like i don't have five kids you know and, and like there's there's different and like he's definitely mentally ill in like like ways that i'm not you know like i'm yeah. mentally ill but like yeah, yeah. it's it like so you know i don't know it's like trying to give him as as much grace as he deserves but also it's just like yeah fuck that guy <laughs> it is weird to get to that point where you're me and my sister have a lot of issues because she blames my mom for being she just thinks my mom was a bad mom because my mom was running her own business and what just didn't give us any attention or love but mm-hmm. not she it's not that she didn't love she just didn't have time she, uh, ever and 
because she's had to take care of two kids and get away from my dad. And I, I just am always like, you're at the age now where she did that. Like, imagine right now if I just was like, you have two daughters, your husband is like somebody who's like aggressive. You have to like make enough money to keep us in elementary school. Like, do you really think that you would have done a better job? Like I get growing up and being like angsty and being like, I should have, you know what I mean? But like getting to the point where you're like, you know, you can't, you see that you would have been in the same predicament. Whereas my dad, I'm like, yeah, I'm your age when you were still like smoking like a fucking pound of weed every goddamn day. You know what I mean? Like I'm at that age where I could just be smoking weed like you were. And I'm not, that was whack that you were doing that. You know, you just see, you always think of them as an adult that made an active decision. And it was like, sure, maybe it was bad, but you can't like fully empathize with how they got to the decision. You know what I mean? Whereas now it's like, dude, I could literally just smoke weed all day. I could do the same shit, you know? Oh, for sure. Totally. Well, and I also think back on times and uh, I love that this is not a super traditional podcast, uh, but I I love where we're going with it uh, is I think back on times like there was a handful of times that like um, I, I remember being really upset with my mom, like really, really like just so fucking yeah angry um and it was like in the few years after they got divorced and whatnot and it but it it was it would have been like there was a couple times she forgot me places yeah you know like left totally. me at like my guitar lesson and i did i like it's embarrassing yeah and i got i had to like walk i just started walking and then like one of our neighbors saw us saw me walking with a like guitar case and like he was like hey you need a ride and like you know like and luckily it's like a small town in a community where that would have was fine but like i remember being so mad at her um back then and not and feeling so like not seen and forgotten and lost and like which is like totally legitimate things to be feeling but also now being like she was like fucking i don't even know like 31 five kids struggling to pay the yeah the mortgage like while also dealing with all these insane mood like not moods like uh all the ups and downs and depression of like going through some gnarly divorce where like your husband's a child molester. Like it's like I go through months of time as an adult who doesn't have any responsibilities besides paying my bills where like I'll just have like three months go by because I'm fucking so depressed. And I'm like, could you imagine being that depressed and having five kids? I don't understand how it's even remotely done. I don't. I don't I, understand I don't how know one how she kid. Did it. I don't understand waking up in the morning and being like, "Yeah, if I don't get my ass up and around, there will be another life on the line." Like I can't. It's like I'm. I'm bad at being in relationships because of this. It's like because I'll. I'll be like. Is that choose me every time? <laughs> yeah, and it's like if you're gonna need me to have a co a cohesive sense of self where it's like you know you can trust that when you see me one day i'm not going to be really depressed and the next day i'm not going to be really manic like i can't make that commitment and then having a kid it's like i mean and i do think my mom was super consistent my dad had that inconsistency and you're like yeah that resonates with me so much like i can imagine being like i can't believe i just have to go pick this kid up listen to their bullshit have them scream at me to tell me that they don't want to see me and then drop me them off at my fucking ex-wife's house again like it's so ridiculous you know yeah but it is like i mean they're also 
our parents had things that we will never have at a way younger age. They had a house that we, you know what I mean? Like, or they, they could the afford co- a house at, on like a working sa- yeah, salary, they had like minimum wage almost. You could buy a house back then. And they weren't sitting in a room recording a podcast being hyper analytical about their own lives. Like we are totally. doing that because we are artists and we are have a giant magnifying glass on our psyche. Yeah. And they were like, depression is just like a sad day. Push. You know what I mean? Yeah, Where for totally. us it's like depression is because I'm c- kind of unraveling because of da 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 They didn't have that like hyper-analytical thing, they were like, I need to feed my kid, you know? Yeah, no, for real. And that's, it's like getting older has given me so much perspective on um, on that, you know, and just like, holy shit, I can't believe, like, uh, yeah, like all the times that I wasn't pissed at my mom and feeling unseen. You know what yeah. I mean? Like I can think of like a handful of times, maybe five, and that would be stretching it. Like right now I'm picturing three specific times. And if I tried real hard, I might be able to picture two more. And in an entire childhood. Yeah. That like that was the only times that I like really remember. So that means the rest of the time for the most part, like it was it wasn't even significant enough to remember, or it was fine. Right, 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 right. And it's like, holy shit, Ma, you killed it. Yeah, yeah. You slayed it. And that was like by the time high school rolled around, having the the self-awareness to be like, for the most part, I don't want to give my parents any more shit than than they're already dealing with or they've already had to deal with. So, like, I was just a good kid. Like, I played football because it was, like, what you did in my hometown or you played soccer or you, like, started doing drugs, you know? And I was just like... I'll do drugs later. Like, yeah. you know, yeah. like, I don't know if I knew that, but yeah, it was, it was easy to be like, for the most part, a good kid. I had a lot of fun, but it was easy to be a good kid. Cause I just didn't want to put them through more shit. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. I, I think I, I didn't, there was no part of me that wanted to put my parents through shit. I had friends who wanted to put their parents through shit. Yeah, I had but friends, my like, spoiled-ass friends that, like, oh put their God. parents through so much shit. It was like, painful to watch, and it yeah. was like, yo, Barbara like a bitch is to tired, their face, dude. And you're yeah. Like, Whoa. And you're like, Whoa. she just gave us so many snacks. Why are you calling her a bitch? <laughs> yeah. But my mom was in on the, you know what I mean? Like, she was in on the punking of the world. Like, I would yeah. be like, I went to detention today, and she'd be like, God, that's stupid, but, like, Whatever you know what I mean, like it's all bullshit. It was fine, yeah. Who yeah. cares? Like, and it was all, all the only thing I cared about the entire time was that I was making people laugh. That was it. So that's how I got in trouble. Was just, I mean, it was stealing, but even that was to make people laugh. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? It was to run away from the store clerk way to make people laugh. So my mom knew that that was, you know. Also, she's not like. She was worried that my stealing was gonna make. She still worries about it when I like steal from Whole Foods. She's like, you're gonna know yourself as somebody who's untrustworthy when you do that. You know what I mean? No, I mean, I used to think that way because, like, and uh, not to just be like, fuck you to your mom. No, no totally, no. yeah. No, but, like, I used to think that way until it's like, yeah, but, like, ma, you you got the 90s. Yeah. Ma, like, Ma, you got, and, like, me, you know, I don't know your mom's name, but, like, you got peak capitalism. What I yeah. get is fucking corporations sucking the planet dry and I don't get to have kids because they'll choke on fucking dust. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, I'm just going to fucking steal from corporations. And yeah. I'm a trustworthy as fuck person. Right. But, totally. like, fuck Home Depot. Yeah, I like, will never steal from a human being ever. Yeah, I totally. Will, yeah, totally. So it's like, but that that's like that capitalism Stockholm syndrome that's like, like, even an old 
punk rock, rock hippie like your mom or whatever would still like, you know, like yeah. still be like, well, but you shouldn't shouldn't steal. It's like, no, fuck Walmart. Yeah. Totally. Like, fuck them. Mm-hmm. And until they're paying their employees a living wage and, you know, you know all of the things, it's like. I, f- I just feel I do feel a lot better. If I go to the groceries or if I go to Whole Foods and I don't steal, I feel like dog shit. I feel like shit about the, w- the food that I'm eating. I feel bad about I feel I feel lesser than because I just walked into a store, paid money for, you know, for this corporation that is, you know, food yeah, that totally. I should have given to me. And and, it you know, maybe there was a time where I used to be like, that was fucked up that I stole. But now it's like if I leave paying full price for things, I feel like an idiot. You know, totally. It definitely has switched. But yeah. And she she gets that now. But oh, that's good. I don't think my mom would get that. Oh, <laughs> no. yeah. In this culture, she's like, go for it. Totally. Oh, OK, cool. Yeah. But now that it's gotten so bad, like once corporations started having like individual rights and then she was like, it's fine. Yeah, fuck it. Just don't get caught because then it's cost more. Yeah. It's like I'm just like a few weeks from fucking burning cop cars. Like, yeah, you know what I mean? It's just like I never thought it would come to this, but also like I'm never going to get to fucking retire. Like, I'm, you know, like, I I don't know. It's yeah, we were I was walking with some friends in Bed-Stuy today and and we walked by this lot where like all the cops park because like the the precincts right next to it. I was like, well, if you ever want to fuck with some cops' cars, yeah, like their personal vehicles, there they are. And like two co- like cops in plain clothes were walking by us right when I said it. And I was like, shit. Yeah. <laughs> it's great. I mean, people have, I mean, they, during all those protests, a lot of shit got burned. But it is like, I mean, I, I think that eventually it will get to that point where there will be like some sort of grassroots coup. And I don't know if the coup will be in the form of like, putting a chokehold on capitalism where we stop buying from corporations until they put a different, you know, until they start like a taxation that makes sense. Or if it's going to be like using our bodies to basically say, you know, have a governmental throw overthrow our government. If it gets to the point that the electoral college won't go away, I do think that there will be a grassroots movement where we all are like, we will not budge until somebody is in office yeah. that actually got the majority vote because this is insane. Yeah. You know what I mean? But I don't know. I've been thinking about that a lot, and I'm like, is the most effective way to just stop purchasing and to have a grassroots movement where we all get s- provide each other food and the things that we need, and what would that mean, and would that chokehold be strong enough to have the government be like, all right, we'll actually start taxing these corporations, but it also is like they will create a demand. You know what I mean? Where, yeah. because we have to, because we have to survive, and we're so deep in soci- in the, you know, because we are not wild animals even remotely anymore. It will be so. I mean, sometimes I look at my friends and I'm like, the other, the other night I went to this fire and they couldn't build the fire. They couldn't build the fire. They couldn't build the fire. And I built it, and they were like, "How did you, how did you know how to do that?" And I was like, "Just be, from like being alive and building fires." And I was like, "Man, if we needed to, like, if we needed to have like a, sh- we're like." We had they the city was like we're gonna turn off the electricity if y'all aren't gonna comply with yeah. the government. Like, would we be okay with these New Yorkers? Like, you know what I mean? Like, we would all ha- we'd have to have obviously dis- distributed tasks and stuff. But it was like, man, we're losing our literal wisdom teeth because we don't chew. You know what I mean? Because we eat such soft food for so many years. Like, <laughs> um, humans are adaptable and they learn really fast yeah and it's like just because like that's the you know um 
just sitting there talking shit about like someone who's an influencer because they're they're taking pictures. Like I was at the beach this summer, um, or it would have been last summer because we weren't wearing masks. Um, and I go to the beach like once every two years because yeah. I'm a loser. Uh, I go to the beach so much. I need to go more. I'm the worst. Grew up in a landlocked state. That we go to lakes. I jump off shit into rivers and yeah. whatnot. Um, but uh, oh, like these girls were taking pictures. You know, like they were is like influencer type stuff. And like my friends are talking shit, and I'm just like, yo, they figured out how to get strangers who like the shape of their ass to like pay their rent. Like, yeah. You know what I mean? So it's like, and it's like a weird, stupid fucking game that that I don't want to play or get. But and I partially don't want to play it because I'm fucking pissed off that I've been doing social media for so long, and I can't like I've got like fucking eighteen hundred followers for like six years. Yeah. You know, but it's like, but they figured it out, and so like I could just get angry at it, or I can just be like, well, good, good for you. And then, but then that also being said, it's like. That takes a certain level of like intelligence to be able to figure that out to become an influencer, um, so like they could apply that to some sort of like post-apocalyptic skill or whatnot. You know what I mean? Right, like right, right. Humans are adaptable. Yeah. Like it's like yeah, you don't know how to build a fire until you've built three. Mm-hmm. You know, like somebody was. I was talking to a comic the other day who was like really bummed out about them not being able to do stand up and how they were like that they were like. It just sucks that it has to be stand up and something else, like, you know, a show or sketches or da 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 da. da. And I was like, man, but you get, like, think about how sick it is that you just get to, like, mine the the depths of what you're interested in and pull something out that's digestible that's not stand up versus, like, the traditional nine to five of whatever. I was, it just was like, I was like, we do have, the internet has allowed us to have an epic resource to, totally. you know what I mean, to, like, commodify or, like, pull community together but it's also pulling us apart but but the people who are pulling us apart are not each other i mean it is it is so crazy that you turn on the you look into the phone and corporations are telling you where to go telling you who to vote for telling you what to buy and you step outside and at these comedy shows with these people it's like all of a sudden it's like everything is different there is not hostility there is not anger people are in love with each other just being around each other they're afraid Mm -hmm. but but in in camaraderie. I mean, there's not like this sensation of like, it just isn't this like bizarre, like, um, hostile environment like the internet is. And it's like, man, if we like, if we could, uh, if we could all collectively agree to cut, to chokehold this thing, Mm -hmm man, it would, I mean, it would just crumble. I mean, it would crumble so quickly because we all are in such, we're all on the same page about it. It's so rare that you have a conversation with somebody who's like, I I work at the top of this business and it's really important to me and I don't think it should be taxed. It's so rare because yeah. it's such a few percentage of people that are pulling these strings and making these decisions. Agreed, yeah. But we are, I mean, and the pandemic has made us more, well, it's made us all more aware of that while also making the richest people on the planet that much richer. I think it's made us more aware of it, but it's also, I think that it has isolated us from each other socially so that we now are, I mean, the fact that the pandemic didn't lower the economy that much, like obviously it did, but the fact that we're buying just as much is like pretty remarkable. And it shows that the, 
the internet is doing a good job getting us to like continue to purchase. I mean, Amazon yeah. is way higher than it's ever been. Like, but because we, if we can't socialize, we do just buy. And I mean, the fear is that the corporations are going to be like, you keep people away from each other, they'll keep buying things. Yeah, that's all. That's all you have to do. If they, if I'm if I'm here with you, I'm not buying anything. You totally. know what I mean? But if I'm in my couch right now, I'm probably gonna buy something. You know? Yeah. Well, that's like the the rats who were like lonely and secluded from people or from each other, and they like would keep doing hitting the like the heroin water or whatever, and yeah. then the rats that like and got addicted to it, or the rats that had community would just choose the regular water eventually yeah there's like a study i don't know if you're familiar with what i'm talking about there's like a I've study yeah about i've heard that. what you're talking about um which is like oh drug addiction is more based in like mental illness and feeling secluded from people than being like a bad person right who knew um yeah but i so who who besides your lesbian moms uh who radicalized you where'd you go to college or like what did that um like? i was definitely radicalized by my mom and dad, my dad was like a super anti-war, very liberal journalist, and he was not journalist. I mean, he wrote for like the Ithaca Journal, but um, he was like a hippie, nobody should kill the trees, the government's really bad, so was my mom. Um, and then ACS was like very, very democratic, socialist, um, ACS is the middle school high school okay yeah so that was like i went into college fully radicalized i, I was okay. we were we grew our own food for our cafeteria like all we went to protests we had all you know we had like i said read all of the about the um revisionist history of everything yeah. so columbus day was not fucking celebrated at our school there was no you know, we did not say under god like um we didn't take tests it was very radical and then i went to school and i went to art i went to an art school but i didn't go for art mm -hmm. i just wanted to be around artists and yeah but i wanted to study um and that was where was that that was alfred oh, okay university in alfred new york yeah yeah i've been there yeah crazy place yeah and that was and then i eventually started studying philosophy um i mean i did like I was just always just with the art kids getting fucked up, but like I wanted to be an environmental journalist and then I wanted to be an environmental studies major and then I wanted to be a f philosophy. What were you like reading at this time? Do, do, were you a big reader? During the environmental studies that I was reading like Michael Pollan and shit. Okay. And like I was interested in like uh, or the food industry and organic food and I, I like went to Europe and s kind of, you know, was working on studying how like the European Union deals with GMOs and where in Europe did you go? Um, we went to Scotland, Germany, England and Ireland. And just like a summer trip or it was a class trip, so it was like a semester, but oh, we went cool. for like two weeks. Um, and then we would come back and like the whole course was about like just studying the Europe's relationship to okay. like how they deal with it. Gotcha. Which was super cool. Um but then I took a philosophy class. Uh, then I had to uh, a crush on a boy, and he was like the king of philosophy. Ooh. Um, his no, name was Griffin. Oh, I thought it was Descartes. No. <laughs> um, what, what was it? And uh, yeah. he was a really cool guy. He was also a punk, so that appealed to me. And he was the best philosophy 
all the philosophy students were like, you know, herbs who like were in cells and never talked to anybody. Um, but he was really cool. So then I was like, he would talk to me a, a lot about Nietzsche. And so then I took this class on Nietzsche and then it was just like totally game over. I was just like, I was obsessed. Uh -huh. And then I switched everything to philosophy only studied philosophy. I didn't even have, I didn't have like a minor. My a minor was actually in improvisational dance at first. And nice. uh, then, uh, yeah. And then I became obsessed with philosophy. It's obsessed, crazy. Read all of it, loved it. Um, it was like, oh, I, it was like a, a puzzle had been, it was like a key had been unlocked. And I was like, yeah, there is, this is it. Uh, the completely trial and error of different ideas and ideologies and trying things on and never do having one that's right. And like, yeah, is where it's at. Fuck this like equation shit that says that there's one way to do anything. Like it's ridiculous. Yeah. Um, that's interesting. I, um, I mean, uh, I've never been, I never studied philosophy. I've read some and you know, I, for me it's, it's more of just like a, like a fun thought. Yeah. I, I don't know if studying it would have ever been something I like would have done well to do. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I definitely like something super concrete and not as far as like I need, like, I, I don't know. I don't know what I'm trying to I say. I bet you would have loved it. It's so good. Yeah. Cause it is concrete. Like Schopenhauer believes that there's no reason to be alive. Concrete as hell. Hegel believes that the world is perpetuating itself towards something super concrete. Nietzsche believes in whatever. It's not like, except for the surrealists or like, you know, the French philosopher, <laughs> just French philosophers in general, will French. be like, who knows? We will see how things go, yeah. you know. But everybody else, all the German philosophers and, you know, have like concrete. And then there's the thing where it's like proofs, you know, like Kant will be like, this is so because X, Y, and Z. And you're like, dude. That is a solid proof. That's crazy. Yeah. So it was like you got that concreteness. You got that like, oh, my God, this is like a truth. And then you would try and disprove it, which was so fun. But it was like, it's just like you, this, it's somebody grappling with the world and being like, all right, I think I got it figured out. And like, they're like, this is why everything is how it is. Mm -hmm. And then you learn about a new one. And then eventually you're like, oh, man, I think there is no how it is. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. And then you do mushrooms, you're like, oh, no, 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 I figured it out. Yeah. And then you, like, come down for mushrooms, you're like, oh, shit, I had it figured out, I don't remember. Totally. Yeah. Every learning to a philosopher was, like, an, a mushroom trip. Like, when you think that feeling yeah. is just studying a philosophy that resonates with you. It was, it was so crazy. It was so good. When was the first time you did mushrooms or you did psychedelics? I did them in, I would come home, in high school I did acid a lot. Mm -hmm. And then I started studying philosophy and I used to take mushrooms and just cackle and see things and laugh with my friends and we'd go swimming and it was great. And then one day we took, I had studied, started studying Nietzsche and I took the acid and I just completely, I realized that like, I was like, oh man, I'm not like just coasting along. I could become a person who hurts myself. I could become a person who hurts somebody else. I could become anybody that I want like Jordan is just an ethereal thing I don't know what a personality means I could become schizophrenic you know what I mean all these yeah. things and that was like the craziest trip ever so I had been doing acid forever but the first time I like went had like a trip like that was like right when I started studying 
philosophy like junior year of college mm-hmm. and that was and eventually I figured it out where I was like oh I'm a culmination of all the experiences I've had and a lot of genetics you know what I mean yeah but it was like di- like philosophy was like once I started reading it I was like oh shit like things are putting one foot in front of the other is it's so, y- something you take for granted so much and so y- until you start learning like oh my god I am a compilation of decisions I'm making and I'm making them right now you know yeah totally it is also it's kind of really funny to like when I think about like friends from high school or um like when you think about that and I don't know certain friends that it's like oh you, of course you're doing that yeah, yeah. Or like, of course, this this is what your life looks like now, totally. Um, because based on like all the things you were doing when we were sixteen or seventeen, like, yeah, you would keep making decisions that would like, and you are this person that. So it's like, yeah, yeah, of course, okay, no, of course. It's weird when you see the fork though, when you're like, man, you went that way. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, when you're like, oh shit, there there was facets of your personality, and that one makes so much sense for that. Totally. You you know. Well, we were talking earlier about identity, and um, what's really, really interesting is uh, I need to keep facing my mic. Um, Swivel chair. I just like turn away from it. Uh, But what's interesting is like when I quit drinking, that was the hardest part. Mm -hmm. Was it was so tied to my identity. If like if I'm not this, then what am I? Who am I? You know what I mean? And it was, it's uh, I don't know. It's just really interesting that um that can be like a, a deciding factor or like that's where the fork takes yeah. place is in, in like choosing an identity or, and, and sometimes you were talking earlier about how like these lies that we tell to ourselves keep turning into like this chasm of, and I think that's what for me, like my drinking habits was that, or like my relationship with alcohol was like this thing that all along I knew was, was a wrong, unhealthy way to be approaching alcohol And I was just like a really afraid to just like even pump the brakes. Mm -hmm. And at some point when like my life got to a point where I was like, dude, you need to just fucking like chill for a minute. And and then like starting to realize like, oh, the real true version of me that's at its best is like without this. Yeah. And it's like that identity crisis I was having was like actually holding on to something that wasn't serving me. Identity crisis is such an un- is so not used anymore, and it's so poignant. It feels so right. Like when you look back in a time, and you're like, "I was having an identity crisis." Like I feel like nobody says that anymore, but it's so real. Like where you were, like just like I, my friend sent me a picture from last Halloween or two Halloweens ago when I was drinking and I had like short bleach blonde hair, and I was like, and I was like, well, "Yeah, that's an identity crisis." Yeah. Like I was really. I had, like, just gotten my heart broken or something. I was like, man, that's exactly what that was, yeah. Totally. I can, um, yeah, I can think of a lot of things that were were that. Where you're like, who, it's almost like you're like, how do I, it's like if I paint this image of myself, I can finally take a load off. Like Like, if I build this thing around myself that's like Jordan, the badass, drinker who's like you know da, 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 da. I could like I could sit behind the set and like maybe not have to struggle so much and people will just I won't have to feel so self-conscious and then you slowly learn that you're like all right you just are gonna have to take a lot of patience and time to learn 
who this person is, what actually feels right, trial and error, mm -hmm. what feels good, what type of sex you have that's whack, what type of drink, ha drug habit you have that feels good or bad, you know? Totally. And like figure out who that person is as opposed to being like, I am this, you know, thing. And, and if I just stand tall, you know, and that goes back to the identity thing where you're like, if I, you know, you have to double down on things so that they become so concrete that you don't have to like face the vulnerability at all. But yeah. Well, or the discomfort like mentioned before yeah. is, is like, cause, in, cause chipping away pieces of your identity that you don't like or, or things that you do requires extreme discomfort. Yeah. You know, looking in a mirror is uncomfortable. Totally. Um, unless you're like a narcissist or, you know what I mean? And yeah. it's, but it, it's like, there's, and there's a healthy balance of like, I mean, uh, of looking in a mirror and like not being narcissistic about it, but also like not being, um, I don't know what the, not being uncomfortable or, or like repulsed by it. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, like truly seeing yourself and not being, um, I was with a group of women today at a clothing swap and we were all trying on these clothes and these are like comedian women and everybody kept it w every it was only women and everybody kept turning around to take their shirts off and shirts back on. Yeah. And at one point I just took my shirt and my bra off and I was like, I'm just going to face, I'm not going to turn away from you. We all have boobs. We all have these bodies. And it like struck everybody was just like then like taking their clothes off and trying things on. And I was like, yeah, what are we doing with yeah. this? Why, why are we, you know what the, what I look like, you know what I mean? And it was like, we're colleagues, you know, we like respect each other in this way, but it was like, and I'm like very, I have like a lot of body shame and stuff. And mm -hmm. I was just like, man, if I just like make the decision to feel safe with these women, I will, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, it, you can like, it's almost like if you're like, okay, it's like if you face the thing that if, if you examine the thing in you and you like, there was so long where I used to be like, I'm going to make myself love my body by becoming really skinny. That's mm -hmm. what I'm going to do. And then I'll love my body. And then it's like, okay. But now it's to a point where it's like, like you were talking one time where you were like, I'm not, I need to stop taking myself so seriously as this, or I n had to t stop taking myself so seriously as this like musician who like drank and was this like, you know, country badass. Oh, totally. Yeah. And you were like, I'm just like a goofy dude. Like I'm just Chuck, like the goofy bumbly, you know, and you're like, that's like who I am. And I feel like it, there is a time and there's a certain point in your life where you're like, instead of being like, I'm going to become solid once I do X, Y, and Z, you're like, I'm going to accept or like acknowledge that I am these things. And like, maybe I won't love them at first, but I'm going to like expose them. And like, totally. maybe, you know, it's like, you don't know if you're going to love them. You don't know if it's going to be good, but it is like, you're going to let them have like airtime or give them what they need. You know, like it took me a long time to get that. Like I really wasn't like females are really, my female friends are very touchy. They're very handsy. And I didn't have a lot of physical touch as a kid. And I would kind of stop going to parties. Like, I kind of stopped hanging out a little bit when I stopped uh -huh. drinking. And I was like, what's going on? And then I was like, oh. And I, I would go and I'd be like, hey, I really don't. I, if we could just not touch so much. If you could not do the thing where you, like, touch my hair and touch my clothes. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And the pawing yeah. thing. And I hated that about myself, that I couldn't be like them and be like, meh, 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 meh. But as soon as I said that, it was like, 
oh yeah, this isn't an evil thing. I'm not an evil person because this is something I need. I'm just acknowledging this thing about myself. And now it's to a point where it's like, I know myself as somebody who recognizes things that I need for myself. Whereas yeah. before it was like, I'm a stupid bitch who can't let my friends touch me. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I'm a mean person. Totally. But it's like, yeah, I think sometimes just acknowledging acknowledging things without the caveat that you're going to, that they're good, you know, without being like, I am, this is who I am. And that's wonderful. But just being like, this is just, this is just how it is, you know? Yeah. Leads more to the liking yourself than forcing it to be like, and that goes back to people being like, this is who I am. And you better fucking love me for it. Cause it's my truth. It's like, no, you could just have that be your truth. I don't have to love you. No, you, you know should love I mean? you for it. Yeah, I, I totally. love that you love you for it. Right. But I'm going to kind of keep my distance. Or yeah, you, you know what I mean? Yeah, totally. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, that's, that's so much about, um, I think it's it's kind of like, and not everyone does this, but like at a certain point between ages like 27 and 35, I'm guessing, I don't know, I'm 33 now. And it happened to me at like 30, 31. Um, when like it, all the things just start not, it doesn't like add up to a whole, like you start doing like the simple math of like life and, and, mm-hmm. and different things. And you're starting to be like, like what, what do I need to leave behind? Like, where's the dead weight? Like what, you know what I mean? And then, and, and so it, it, for me, it led to a whole bunch of introspection and like therapy and like all, all kinds of things. And that that also led to like, oh, I'm not James Dean. I'm not like fucking Waylon Jennings. I'm just fucking Chuck, you know, and like I'm cool and I, in my own ways. And I'm and like but I'm like but I'm also goofy. And if there's something I could possibly hit my head on, I'm going to fucking hit my head on it because yeah. I'm just a goofy klutz. And it's much easier and like life's much better when I when I do hit my head. I'm just like. Oh, I don't know. It's like I'm not embarrassed and worried that everybody saw me hit my head. It's like because I got to be Mr. Fucking Cool. It's like, no, you're just a fucking goofy dude that like doesn't yeah. see shit and was wearing a hat and always hits his head on shit. And you org- you can like make it so that you orchestrate yourself in a way where like maybe for a second people see you in the light that you want them to see you. And you're like, yes, I am perceiving, you know, and then something happens where you're like it all crumbles and you're like, I knew I was just that idiot, stupid kid, dummy, mall goth, fuck, you know what I mean? Yeah, totally. I'm, I like been, I want people to like immediately, I do, I feel like when I meet somebody, I'm immediately like, I'm like over divulgent where I'm like, hey, I'm like this, this, I feel like, dude, the first second I met you, I walked up to you and I was like, I almost ate shit hard behind you. I almost just face planted. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And I was like, I don't know why I'm saying this to you out loud, but it is like, you know, just immediately like being like, Hey, just so you know, no idea what I'm doing. You know, like even with these women who I respected this clothing swap, I like, you know, came in and was like, okay, you guys last night, this happened. I'm feeling so weird about the, and it was like, just immediately getting to the point where you're like roll over and show your belly. Yeah. I used to just be so afraid of that. I was like, if I don't bully, I'm going to get bullied back as a kid. And then when I got older, I was like, if I'm making, I'll make the jokes all the time. And if somebody, so that nobody can have the joke on me, you know what I mean? Yeah, totally. And, um, it is like, now it's like less of a defense mechanism. And I feel like more of a, and my comedy has changed for me being like, I do carpentry. I'm the and way more of like I have no idea what the fuck is going on. Yeah, which is way more fun. Totally. Um, 
and you know what's really fun about it is you like last night I was it was like a I had this set where I was like I have no idea what's going on I'm totally lost all these drugs uh, you know weird weird things with dudes weird things with you felt so vulnerable and you get off stage and people like walk up to you and be like great set and then and in that moment when I'm like oh I have my shit together and I feel cool as hell yeah it's like it doesn't feel like a, so- a facade. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, I totally know that I just gave you 10 minutes of stuff that makes me feel like I'm completely lost. But like, actually, I feel pretty together right but now. Uh, but I actually spent a lot of time writing yeah. the stuff about how I don't know anything. Totally. Like, yeah. I know a lot about writing. And that's why you like what I just said about totally. not knowing anything. Whereas, you know, three years ago, it was like, I know who I am. And I'd get off stage and people would be like, that was great. And I'd be like. Do you really think so? You yeah, know, or like I just couldn't take a compliment forever because I didn't believe it. Right. People totally. would be like, oh, that song of yours is so fucking cool. And I'm just like, no, yeah. I'm a fucking fraud. Yeah. What are you talking about? Totally. Um, the, what's, oh man, you just, you just sparked something in my head that I, I want to, I want to come back to real quick, but I can't think of what it was oh you were saying okay so your your car- comedy used to be so much about like i'm a woman who does carpentry but i'm not a lesbian like but yeah. you we've talked about this a bit and then but now it's like you know like you just said so much more about i i don't know what's going on i was like doing mushrooms but yeah. and it's like working out better and i think part of it i'm not a comedian um uh so like i don't know but i think like as far as you're with the audience you're there instead of being like me 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 like this is like look at me this is the thing it's like it's like no how about a little bit of us yeah you know what i mean it's like it's like i don't know anything and we've all felt that before right like like not like because you're like super niche with like the whole like i'm a woman who does carpentry and blah 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 and it's like sure there's some i'm sure there's some great things you could like bits and whatnot that you could have there but like the audience is going to respond so much more to you as a person when they feel like they've been in your shoes or or they yeah. feel related you know what i mean maybe not totally, in your shoes yeah. but does does that make sense I do you mean, have that experience cuz it i think that it is in the industry with the clubs and everything they would be like like for JFL they would be like um you need to get your story out there. So it was like everything about your mom's being gay, everything about the the competing construction businesses with your parents all of that you need to get out there. That's okay. what you need to have out there. And it's And JFL for those of you listening is just for laughs. It's just for laughs, yeah. Yeah, sorry. And it's a it's f- not true. It's bullshit. It's complete bullshit. I can stand on stage and talk and not say anything and not say anything about my upbringing and they know exactly they know exactly that I'm a hard ass liberal woman who dates men and then at the end when I'm like I have lesbian moms they're like I know you know what I mean yeah. like <laughs> it doesn't it it doesn't need to be this like you know tense narrative of getting your story out there and you know I've talked about like a one woman show when it comes to, or like everybody's first special is really heavy on how they were raised I'm totally down with that that's great but like when it comes to New York City, when you're doing these tight sets, it's like the most important thing to me and always has been. And this is like it it has been addressing. It, it's not true that it has always has been, but it became the most important thing was. Arriving at the space I was at with the audience and. 
if they if it wasn't going to resonate, if I'm in a club full of people who are strangers and it's bizarre and it's not going to click and I'm not going to be able to do crowd work with them because they're too different than me, mm-hmm. then so be it. Let's unroll the one woman show narrative. Let's give them yeah. a movie. You know what I mean? Totally. But my f- and that's a Zoom show, for instance, is that you're just mm-hmm. giving them the narrative. But if I can like establish a connection and land in the space that we're in, in the the fact that it's winter, we're all going through the depression, we're all like the pandemic and arrive there with somebody and then unroll a little bit of the narrative. I mean, yeah. that is, that is two of my favorite things in one, which is a social connection with another human being, which is the most important thing to me in the world is connection with other human being and making people laugh. Totally. Which is also, it's so it's like, if I can have both of those, if I can unroll the narrative and have us, sit in what's actually we're all perceiving at the same time. I mean, going up to audience right now and being like, how are we doing with, with it getting cold? Are you guys depre- depressed? And like asking them about depression and having some people be like, I'm okay. And be like, oh, you're okay. Like these people I know that are okay. Or you're fucked up like me. Who's You know, yeah, feels, um, it, f- it, it feels better than me unrolling a narrative and people coming up to me later and being like, I think it's really cool that you're we're raised like that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Or that you have this interesting thing. But when I unroll when I unroll a narrative and I'm like, yeah, I used to be a mall goth who did da 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 and they come up to me after and they're like, dude, I so was that kid. Like I also was like a fat kid who became an attractive person and that's like so nice to hear it said like that. Yeah. That feels great. Totally. But nothing feels better than arriving in the moment with somebody and having them resonate at that same time yeah which is i mean why the outdoor shows have been so sick because it's just they're right everybody's so fucked up by the pandemic and by the culture and everybody's so present because it's their first social interaction that they've had in so long that it's like totally i mean it's been like the craziest summer i mean it's been it was and fall i mean it's been so I don't think I've ever felt more um, connected consistently to mm-hmm. audiences than cool. this summer. Yeah, totally. That's. Uh, I think it's in a lot of ways. Yeah, you know, nine eleven happened when I was like in seventh grade, eighth grade. Yeah, so like, I imagine the city was kind of like this after that, but totally. like, like after quarantine like because we were just it was like weird being here there's like a cloud over the city for so long like we're you know we're i mean we're all uh, i don't know like we all went through some like really traumatic shit this year um and then like that connection just that much stronger with um it was global like it wasn't even like it was like a it was global, but like as far as this country goes, like for a few months we were ground zero for it, though. Like this. Oh, city you mean as the city? Yeah. Yeah, totally. yeah. New York City is what I'm saying. Um, I guess what I mean by global is it's like it was. It wasn't polarizing in ideologies. We got <laughs> yes, 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 yes. Sorry, but I in the city, it was like we got fucked up. We just got our asses got handed yeah, to us. Right. Yeah, and it, and and same it, with and it happened like yeah. this, and it and it was like one day I'm getting fired from my bar job, and the next I'm like waiting in line at Wegmans in six feet increments and watching some man 
try and use an eye, like a sleeping like eye mask as like a face mask. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I'm like looking at my roommates and we're all just like, what the fuck is reality right now? Yeah. You know what I mean? Totally. And it, it's, yeah, I can still picture that. Like I'll, I'll never stop picturing the, that dude that we're like a month into the pandemic, into being locked down. We're, we're you know, doing our weekly grocery run and this guy gets turned away. And I see, <laughs> like, he had clearly come back from getting turned away or, like, getting in line to go in. And it was, like, an hour wait to get into the grocery store. And so, like, his friend held the spot in line while he went back home to get a face covering. And he was wearing fucking flip-flops and an eye mask covering for his face. See, that didn't yeah, even who cover has an nose. eye mask covering but not a mask? You know I, what I mean? It's more easy This to was find. early enough on where, like, nobody... Yeah, but it's easier to find a bandana than a... Who has an eye mask covering? I, well, yeah, and who the fuck is wearing, like, flip-flops in the middle of a pandemic? Like, yeah. it was it was just, like, this thing where we're all just like, who the fuck is this guy? Yeah. Like, what the fuck? Yeah. Uh, but, uh, I don't know. So, uh, yeah, it's, I'm so jealous because, like, I've played four shows this summer i mean yeah my musician friends are i have so many musician friends and it's extremely it's it's brutal it's totally yeah and i've I've, like four is a lot of shows for most musicians like i lucked out and found a spot upstate that like was i felt totally comfortable and safe doing and it's like i played four shows to nobody knows who the fuck i am up there it's not like i played shows to adoring fans it was like i was the background noise for a brewery while people drank in the street right you know and it was fucking great it was amazing um but it's such a different process than comedy that like i don't know i wish i could i wish i music in general is i mean it is different it is different than comedy it is especially in a time right now it's like man you throw me in a park when this thing started off, they didn't even have microphones at the park shows. Like, we were just standing in front of people talking. It was crazy. Yeah. And it was, you know, it wasn't something that you would just walk by. You know, you couldn't just ignore it. Like, it was you were there and you were listening or you weren't. But it was like, it wasn't something that would. It was like a commentary actively on what was going on, you know, which was, I think, why people were. I think is why it worked so well in the city to have all these outdoor things is because people are getting so much bizarre information off of the internet and they don't know what to believe and everything is so strange and feels so crazy that to have somebody stand up and be like, hey, my job is to have like satire on what is going on right now. People were like, please tell me because yeah. it's like, I don't know what the fuck. I mean, I was Amy Coney Barrett last night for Halloween and I was talking about it. I couldn't believe how many people were receptive to me talking about her. Really? Yeah, because people are so abreast with like what's going on in the news and stuff that it was like, usually you talk about the shit, people are like, I don't know what the fuck you're talking about. But they were all like, oh yeah, yeah, that's so on the, what do you think about it? You know, we've heard so many different fucking crazy things, you know, yeah. but then I said, you know, I like, there was a church behind me and I was like, oh, there's a church, perfect backdrop for Andy Coney Barrett. And people were like laughing. I was like, all right. They were like, oh, huh, because we know she's religious. And it she's was like, a dumb Catholic bitch. Right. And Sorry. people were like, <laughs> Very, like, it was, um, it's just, I think people are like, yeah, please give us, please talk about what's going on, but don't make me want to kill myself for the love of God. Yeah. Because that's all news is doing is making us feel like we should just eat ourselves to death. You know what I mean? Yeah, just like, totally. 
never do anything again. And for somebody to be standing up and be like, but for musicians, it's like, it feels like it's, it's way more difficult because it's almost like everything's so energized that it's like, if you aren't directly taking in, like, it's like people haven't gotten to the point where they need to lose themselves. Yeah. Which is why I don't think you see a lot of like dancing. Yeah. Like I was really surprised that there wasn't like, you know, this party we were at last night was an after party. People just left after the comedy. Like it's almost like the things feel so dire yeah. that people aren't necessarily looking for an escape. Yeah. You know, which I feel like they really get that from music. They're just trying to l- understand it better. Yeah. Which, you know, I have some friends that are, you know, I, I feel like I'm at the point where I'm like, please, please an escape. But I do think that especially in New York right now, people are like, I just need it to be, I need to like be able to digest it and understand it. But I don't feel, I feel like we're in too dire of a scenario for me to enjoy myself. Yeah. Does that make sense? And yeah, totally to a point. I think that makes a lot of sense. Um, I also think just the process for music, this isn't the right, I mean, I've got a lot of things that I feel about it in, in a lot of ways, but like for me, um, like the song Bless that I just put out, um, it sounds like I wrote it for this fucking election, for yeah. this month. Mm-hmm. Like it sounds like I wrote it for today because this podcast will come out on election day. And it's like, I started writing that song fucking four years ago, you know, or I don't, Mm -hmm. I don't know when the first line kind of popped into my head or whatever. And it, but it's been kind of like a slog ever since. Mm -hmm. And it's like, so that, you know, music is at least me too, because it's fucking takes me forever to write things or to decide like something's finished. And then it takes even longer to come up with the money to record it and release it and blah, 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 and all of that stuff. So I'm like constantly like it it doesn't happen in like I'm constantly two years behind everything or whatever, you know, and it just so happens that like it's like I've got a song on the new record that's like about school shootings. And it's like the more irrelevant that song is, the better off everybody is. Yes. You know what I mean? But it's also like. That's a good way of putting that. Yeah, totally. Yeah, totally. Um, But, like, when I started writing that song was, like, the week after Sandy Hook. And it's just taken me this long to finally be able to, like, I feel comfortable enough to say these things in a song. Right. I feel, you know, or, like, I just don't fucking care because somebody's got to fucking say it. Or, like, you know what I mean? Does it make you think about writing differently because of that? Like, does it make you now when you're writing a song, are you, like... Like, do you want to focus on things that are going to be persistent or have longevity? Or do you want to... Or is it like comedy where it's like you want to write about the moment because it's relevant and feels poignant? Well, that's kind of, in a way, what I am what I was like... What, why comedy is the right format or the medium for right now yeah. um, is because it can be so immediate and can be... Like, yeah, you have bits and stuff like that that you can go back to if the audience isn't working or whatnot. But, like, like ideally, you've got a, a the right mixture of, like, prepared bits and just, like, off-the-cuff, like, crowd work and whatever the fuck Trump said today. or You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That, like, there's an ideal 
mixture there for you in a 10 minute yeah. set right I'm, I'm assuming it's usually it's usually a farce like a, it's usually like mm, uh, amy coney barrett relates to this sensation i have that women are all women are kind of like going through a phase right now where they want to become prairie wives right mm-hmm. so that's like a bit that i have that's about women like trying to be these like sourdough making embroidery things like that's a craze that's happening yeah but i'm using the amy coney barrett thing to get into that oh you gotcha. know what I mean? yeah, yeah yeah totally whereas i mean a lot of my friends obviously write very topical jokes but for me it's like what's the human condition i want to focus on w- now what's the topic that's relevant that will get me there okay yeah yeah and i i feel like so much of my um, well, I think the goal with songwriting, at least for me, is um, to be writing something that w- it's just like there's universal truths. There's like, yeah, like blowing in the wind will be a is like it's like evergreen content, you know, like, you know, it's totally. like that song will always be relevant. You know, the mm-hmm. answer is blowing in the wind, you know, like it's it's like, um. You know, so you're so you're searching for those universal truths. I think that's what uh, like real art is is trying to grasp on, um, and that's what gives a song lasting power. Uh, but yeah, it's same with a joke for sure. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Um, but it's uh, nobody gives a fuck if you call Trump the exact right Muppet character that he is. It's just a tweet. You know what I mean? Totally. And Twitter's a whole. I can't imagine that's like a whole deciding what's a Twitter joke and what's like a bit for a yeah. set is I'm like not on Twitter. So it's not oh, okay. That's good. Um, I guess I, I don't really care how you feel. Uh, yeah. I just don't, I'm very much agree with you that the human condition thing or the universal truth thing is very like, yeah, well it's like, <sighs> yeah, this, I, it's like, uh, um, but I think that's part of why music is, I don't know. Music has no value, like no monetary value in our society. Um, it's pretty crazy. It's, it, it's like fucking insane how, like, I, and like, I don't want this to come across as like um, complaining or whining or whatever, because a lot of people think I whine about money too much, I guess. I don't know. Um, Who says that? assholes that like that i say are spreading false information on the internet assholes i went to high school with that are jealous of me um anyways uh, shout out (laughs) yeah shout out what's up uh eat (laughs) shit bitch um no (laughs) but uh uh (laughs) anyways um shit was like oh so like yeah so I don't even know how to put it, but it's like I, I had a bit of a an argument with the people or the artists that are working on my album art. You know, the three of us kind of collaborated on it and and it was like kind of a fucking nightmare. Um, and they're good people and they're great artists and I love them, but it just like turned into a, a nightmare. And it's like, oh, I paid you all this money for a headache. Mm-hmm. And they're like, well, we gave you a discount. It's like, yeah, but you still gave me a fucking headache. Mm-hmm. Like nobody pays for my art. The church with the... There's a, it's like a different thing, but, okay. um, like there's that, it's like, I just had to spend a bunch of money on like a publicist or like, like everything costs money except for the product that I create. Yeah. 
Same. You know what I mean? And totally. Yeah, same for you. It's like it's up. it's like it's so it's zero or it's all of it. Eh, it's not ever all of it, but it's not. There's no in between. I mean, there's an in between if me and you get our podcasts off the ground and then we get a thousand dollars from Patreon, yada yada yada. But no, totally, it is very little to a lot. Yeah, and and so so I don't. I don't. I don't know. I, I. It's like I'm having. Speaking of identity crisis, I'm having like an artistic crisis right now. As far as or not really crisis, but just like, um, okay, live music is how I've done the thing all along. You know, this this show is about being on the road. We haven't even talked about that hardly oh, at yeah, all. Yeah. But like, now that we need to, yeah. it's just like kind well, of. We're like, off the road, dude. We're like, talking totally. about being off the road. Well, it's like my whole. We've m- been forced off the road. I've built my whole identity my whole brand, everything around this whole, like, fuck it, I'm just going to, like, be driving around a shitty car for the rest of my life, like, playing whatever size venue will have me, and hopefully people will be there, you yeah. know? Um, and now that's not really a possibility. And, and like, that was, like, my one way of making money at music consistently. It's like, you know, I can show up at a bar and play for three hours and make 200 bucks. Like, I know I can do that. Yeah. Um now that's been taken from me so like there's just no monetary value in what i do and so i'm like oh fuck what do i do now um i wonder how much i mean it's that is the thing so a lot of comics are like and a lot of my friends are like do we just chase the places where we can perform do we find the club that's opening up in the thing where we can perform I mean, this is a conversation I had with my manager recently where I was like, I'll get in my goddamn truck and throw a bunch of food in the back and sleep back there and do whatever shows I can do. Yeah. Because that's what I'm addicted to. That's what I love. Yeah, me too. That's, you know what I mean? And he was like, of course you can do that. You're a comedian. That's what you want to do. Of course, I support that. But you, what would be a better idea in order to make money is to figure out how to use this time to, you know, package yourself in a way that's going to get your name out there as n- to as many people as possible through the internet. Totally. That's and that's kind of what I'm cuz it's like, yeah, I could I could go down and try and try and f- squeeze my way into gigs in Phoenix or Texas or, you know, places right. where during the winter time they can be outdoors and I, Cause like I'm not I'm I refuse to do a show that I feel like I'm putting anyone in danger at right. and like there's inherent danger because there's a fucking pandemic going on. Right. You could get this virus from anything, you know, like like or you just like you have the risk of getting it going anywhere. But I'm not gonna like play a show where I feel like I'm putting people in danger. Mm-hmm. Um, and so then it comes down to like yeah, I agree with your manager. the The juice isn't worth the squeeze. Right. The juice is hardly worth the squeeze when I'm doing it the way I've always done it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And it's like, I'm Absolutely. just like... It's why we moved to New York. I'm just like the kind of crazy that's like, yeah, I'll just live in my car for two months and like make a net $500 over two months or whatever it is, you know? But it's like everything else got paid for. All my bills got paid for and... Now you need a new muffler. <laughs> what was that? Or now well, you need a new muffler. Yeah, yeah, totally. But it's like the the juice was hardly worth the squeeze back then. And yeah. now I'm like, okay, so that's that's where like the the um, the identity cr- is like, oh, what's 
what's going to replace that next year? Because like, and I, I can't get a bar job, you know, like mm. that's not really a thing, and I, I kind of refuse to, um, but I don't know. It's in- it's interesting. I'm I'm looking at it, and I hope I I'm not coming across as like defeatist or anything. I, I think it's like a great opportunity for me to like diversify and try and learn some new skills or put together like some of my video skills and and kind of figure out like hey this is me on the internet now um i feel like i'm scheming oh my whole life is scheming i make yeah but now it's like scheming in a way that's like like it's fucked up because it's like i don't want to have to scheme i just want to do what i love but i feel like before it was scheming to be like okay how can i do the thing that i love and scheme to make money on the side whereas now it's like how do i scheme to make the thing that i love the thing to make money yeah, um, that just feels gross because it's capitalism, or because because of capitalism. But because you're will not say supposed to make money doing what you love, right? But it feels to me it, now it feels like a lot of comedians are like, I don't want to have to do this thing where I do that use the internet, and I'm like, I just would so much rather scheme to figure out how to make the the creative part of me commodifiable than to figure out what bar I can work at where I won't want to kill myself. Yeah. You know 100%. what I mean? That's uh, when I, it's like, uh, man, what, what, what other sign did I ever need? Cause for years I was like trying to get out of bartending and I was, I was just like the grumpy bartender. Like I was the, like I wasn't doing anyone any favors by being there. I was like, yeah, making a paycheck, but it was like, and you know, for the most part it was decent money. Um, but really, it was just like that being terrified of jumping off the and like f- into the deep end and just like figuring it out. Like I could have played, you know, back in the old world, I could have played my guitar in the subway if I had to and made enough money to get by. Mm-hmm. You know, I could have figured that out. Yeah. But um, I was terrified to. And then what better sign did I need that like I got fired from the bar job that I was like, this is going to be my last bar job in New York. Yeah. Like I'm either working here until the until I move, or I'm gonna leave here and just be a full time musician. And I got fired from this job. I thought I was never gonna be able to get fired from, but it happened. And then two weeks later, everybody else in the ci- city got fired. Yeah, that's crazy. It was two weeks. It was like two or three weeks later. Like like it was seriously like what other sign did I need that it's like yeah never bartended again dude yeah and not because you're better than it or anything like that because you shouldn't have done it for this long because you're not really the right person for the job and like why go to work every day and be miserable and make everyone else around you miserable yeah like what are you doing and then I started saying like before I quit I used to say or before I got fired (laughs) um yeah I was I just kept being like dude $20 $20 you make playing your guitar is worth 100 behind the bar. Yes. It's like, totally. you, know, you know what I mean? It's like, obviously that, that math doesn't add up because if I'm paying my rent, I need the $100, not the 20 or whatever. But like the, the value... The hours of memory that get lost in praying that you just like expedite time is so fucked up. Like I would rather drive on the road for eight hours doing nothing on the way to a gig then spend eight hours doing something that I hate, just waiting for the clock. I mean, it's like, obviously we all know that like, you don't want to waste your life and waiting for the clock to run out. And like, but it is like the sensation of knowing that you are putting your, 
putting the majority of your time into a position that you can't wait to get out of is so, I mean, obviously this is like Marxism, you know what I mean? Like this makes so much sense, but it is like, I don't know if, I don't know what's going to happen after this, but I, I know that obviously it's going to go back to a lot of that, but the amount of people that have lost their jobs and are just like, I'm, yo, I will live off of dog shit to yeah. not do that. Like I was totally. stuck in that. I couldn't get out of that. And I thought that's what I had to do to survive. But yeah. like I will scrape by on like bare on just like doing a couple projects for people or like whatever, you know? Yeah. And like if you give us if you give us a little bit of money and allow us to just stay alive, we will get so resourceful. I mean we like oh, will yeah. figure it out. But like once you get locked in that thing where you're going to work every day and it, you get into the cycle of it, it's just like it's so hard to break. It's so hard to get out of. Yeah, I mean, I just you just made me think of a time. I was on my way. I used to work in the Juilliard scene shop for a little while. Mm-hmm. Um, it was like just like a freelancer. Um, and so I'd be on the A train early mornings because you had to be there by like 8.30 and getting from here to Columbus Circle, um, you know, by 8.30. It's like it's early mornings. And, and I wasn't good at mornings then as I am now. Um, You're so bad at mornings. Yeah, I've, I've historically been so bad. I don't know how I all of a sudden got good at it. Well, I quit drinking. That's pretty much it. <laughs> um, I started exercising because now I actually sleep at night. Wow, crazy. Yeah, um, nice. But one time, so I'm, I'm on the bus, and it's like one of those days where it's cold as fuck outside. Or not on the bus, on the subway. It's cold as fuck outside. It's even cold in the subway. But then on the train, it's just like, 130 degrees it's so hot yeah so many like and and this woman standing like next to me holding the pole or whatever and you know we're all kind of crammed in there and she passes out and i catch her and like just it was just like i'm just standing there like my coffee or reading a book or something and i just see this woman start to fall and i just catch her and like and get someone to move out of the seat and sit her down and she's like passed out and um like she kind of comes to and i'm just like and she and then she just starts like looking at her phone (gasps) how old is she she was like my age or younger she wasn't an old lady she was yeah so i say woman but she was like 25 to 35 um so she just starts looking at her phone like playing it off and i'm like hey hey are you okay and she's like, what? I'm like, you just passed out. And she's like, yeah, yeah, I'm all right. And like gets off on the next stop. Like she was like embarrassed of it or something. But like, and I forget exactly why I was saying this, but oh, so she was embarrassed. She runs it like, she just gets off the train. I don't know if she was supposed to get off at that stop or what, but it was like, it looked like she was embarrassed. Yeah. And like, then I started thinking after, you know, I had a few more stops and I'm like, not a single person on that train besides me saw that take place. Maybe one other person. Yeah, that shit is crazy. And it was like, because everybody's like so focused on whatever, like, on whatever bullshit job they're selling their labor to. Yeah, well, you it's know, also the New York. The only way that we get privacy is to. Is the subway and to ignore yeah. everyone around you? Is the it's like when somebody on the subway, a woman like sat down next to me one time and was like, What book are you reading? And I was like, 
you're a bitch. I hate you. I will kill you. I will end you Do for asking me that. Me. This yeah. is the only time. And my book is open. We ended up having an amazing conversation. She introduced me to a philosophy I knew nothing about and was yeah. really interesting. But it is like New York deals with the way that we deal with the fact that we're constantly touching each other and running into each other and without losing our minds is we have an unspoken agreement that we do not, that when we're in our private space, we don't, you know what I mean? We don't penetrate it. Yeah, that's true. Which is, it's like when you see somebody on the train record somebody else and you're like, we don't do that. We don't, I know that that person looks funny or crazy, but we do not do that. Or if somebody's looking at you on the train and you look at them and you're like, what are you doing, dude? You're not from here. You don't live here. You know what I mean? But it is, yeah, the work hustle also. Yeah, I agree with you where it is like people are so, I mean, people, the morning train sensation is so wild. Like where you're like, everybody is so unhappy. Nobody wants to be up at seven on the train. It's nobody's fucking pumped to go to their job. Like if you work on Wall Street, you're allowed to get there at nine. You know what I mean? Like it's not. So people that are on there, I used to work at a bakery and have to be on there at like 5 a.m. And it was just like, why don't we all just stop right now? Like all of us in this train, we don't have to do this. You know, and we're like, we're yeah. all together going to this place that we hate if we just. Uh. But yeah, I mean, it's a. I, I wonder what's going to happen after this, because everybody, I mean, all my friends who are working from home are like, I'll never go back to the office. I yeah. Well, I mean, is the th- like it, when is after this though? Because like, yeah. if Trump wins again, this pandemic's never ending. I don't think Trump will win again, but also, I mean, they will. The, the vaccine will happen, but uh, yeah, it'll be two years till it's probably back. To oh normal. yeah, it's yeah. yeah. I don't. I don't know. It's a, uh, but everything does have to change, and they've already proven that like. Oh, you give us all money each month, and the rich people still keep getting richer. You know, like I the think a you. I think we're honestly twenty within the next twenty years. Student loan debt and universal basic income, like student loan debt, will be erased, or for the most part, or something. Some big thing's going to change in that realm, and universal Man. basic income will. I was talking about how I was like, it's so fucked up that this whole. Pandemic has revealed how much socialism is, you know, what we need. But because we've gotten all the, we've gotten the money from the government, and all of us just became more creative. We didn't the the economy, we we did put it back into the economy. Like it was fine. Obviously, I don't think six hundred dollars a week necessarily is sustainable. But giving us money to stay alive, it really was effective, and it showed that socialism rules. And my sister was like, okay. We don't need to like, we don't need to be a democrat because I was just saying democratic socialism. She was like, we don't need to be democratic socialism necessarily because then people will stop working. And I was like, oh my God, we're literally, you're my sister and you just, we have completely opposing it's viewpoints. Capitalism Stockholm Syndrome. Yeah. And she's it's like, like, these imaginary from the pieces same of parents. paper. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's just like, it's all made up dumb bullshit. It's like so every time the bootstrap thing is so <sighs> bizarre. You're I like, there's no, you have just been told that I was like, do you know that you didn't, if you had, if I had said to you as a baby, you're going to be born, it's going to be really hard. It's going to be a lot of suffering. All your friends are going to die. You're never going to be fully comfortable. And the things that you want, you won't have. You might be like, no, I'm going to choose not to, but you didn't have the choice. 
You yeah. were born into a society, Your and then selfish ass parents had to fuck and right, make you <laughs> and it was <laughs> to give them some sort of extra meaning. Yeah, and you it was it was something that was, and then luckily the society came together and said, okay, people need to eat shit and you know have sex, procreate, and they need a safe place to live. And then the government was like, earn it. And we're, it's like, what? Yeah. What do you mean? This is my home. This is the planet. I'm allowed to live here. I'm allowed to eat it. And it was like, no, 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 no. We're going to take all the food and we're going to make sure you have to pay to stay alive. And you're like, well, what will happen if I don't stay alive? And they're like, oh, yeah, yeah, you'll just die. And you're like, what? And it'll cost <laughs> your family money because you're dead now. Yeah. And you're like, what are you? Who, who are you? And they're like, I'm a politician. And you're like, what does that even mean? And they're like, well, I'm not sure. <laughs> I don't know. My dad, my dad made money or something. Yeah, I don't, I don't yeah. know. I, I got into law school and then smiled a bunch. And now I'm making policy. Lied a bunch. Yeah. yeah I, it's I, so weird. And, and you're like, and then you say, you know, okay, well, what if you guys give us like a stipend so that we can stay alive? And then we'll also like create new technologies and things for the world that will be interesting and good. They're like, well, if we do that, then nobody will make the technologies. There'll be no incentive. Yeah. And you're like, oh, shit, this is what a philosophy proof is. Yeah. So that would be a philosophical proof. If I don't if I don't make you suffer, you won't create things for society. But the entire reality that you have to create or else you'll suffer is deleted. Yeah. And that's what human beings do. We must create or we will kill ourselves. Yeah. We won't. And and the government is just like, no, you won't. And it's like, what do you think I'll do? And they're like, I don't know, sit around. And you're like, I won't do that. Like, yeah. I can't. I, I, I will die. I Well, it's the funniest thing is because, like, there's so many. Not the funniest thing. But, like, I can kind of get the government and the semi-rich people or whatever saying, like, like, the government's worried we stop doing things because then the government stops working. Like, we start, like, they, they're, it's only yeah. as valid as we allow it to be. And, I mean, they've got nukes. But, like, yeah. <laughs> but like we only, we give the, it's, if it's a government by the people, by theoretically, like, we give it, like, legitimacy. Yeah. Um, and so everybody's showing up and doing the thing, like, like, I get why they want us to do that. Now I'll post things like you know share memes to my Instagram story or whatnot. They're fucking memes, but it's like about like raising the minimum wage and you know things like that. And I'll get these like well actually bros like messaging me, and it's always some fucking libertarian asshole that I grew up with that I know didn't even like fucking graduate college. And this is not some elitism shit. It's like I know you learned all this shit on the fucking internet, so. But they'll come at me with like, well, actually, the way the economy works is like, dude, I know that raising the minimum wage, like, like you, you can't just raise the minimum wage because then like people aren't going to be able to afford to pay people. And it's just like, dude, I get that. Like, I understand how the economy works. Also, yeah. w- what I also understand about you is you've never paid rent in your life. Your parents have right. always subsidized your rent. You've never had a fucking job in your life. Your parents have paid for everything. You somehow have children of your own now and your parents are still paying for everything and you're worried about the minimum wage going up. Like you're arguing on the side of the people who are worried about like you're arguing on the side of the fucking billionaires. And it's like, don't talk to me about fucking like class struggle when you 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 don't even you've never paid rent, motherfucker. Like fuck off. And and it also is like, 
Right. The people who are. You're, you're worried people are going to be lazy when it's like you've never worked a day in your life. You don't know anything about the working class. Right. You have soft fucking hands and a pretty boy fucking face. <laughs> Fuck. But it's Sorry. also like <laughs> the people, the people who are like, I actually, you know, I did work myself up. I, I was, you know, born in, you know, lower class and now I have money. And I think that, you know, the rest of the world should do that, too, is like. I think that you endured an extremely difficult life that you slogged through, and it doesn't seem fair that other people shouldn't have to do that as well. You know yeah. what I mean? I think you're just a shitty person at that point. Right, and you're like, and and another thing is, is like when I, I dealt with pain, so other people should deal with pain. Right, that equals shitty person. And it's like, what if you had gotten to the point where you were able to retire and you weren't 85 years old? Like, okay, what what if your son, if I could guarantee that he could retire at 50? if you just allow there to be social programs that assist him. You yeah. know what I mean? You would never be like, no, no, no. He's got to be almost dead before he can enjoy himself. Like, Yeah, then he can g- get his kids into debt buying a tr- camping yeah. RV, and he can go see three national parks and then have a fucking Heart attack. stroke yeah. at the Grand Canyon yeah. and cost taxpayers a bunch of fucking money getting him out of there. And you know what I mean? Like, it's... Uh, totally. I do uh, Man, this has been a very un- unconventional um, dirtbag's guide to life, but I fucking love it's it. It's been fun. I fucking love it, especially it's coming out on election day. So it's like, you motherfuckers should have better show up or have shown up and voted. Not that it will not be, there will not be an extreme shift with Biden, but. Well, yeah, because voting, you can't, you can't fix a system that's got inherent problems by participating in the system. Yeah. You know, like you're not going to you're not going to fix a white supremacist state by voting in the white supremacist state, but pulling it out of fascism or like like stopping the train and then from like careening into fascist town is it's definitely a good place to start. <laughs> it's just it's it's not a politician. It's not a conservative politician versus an establishment Democrat. It's basically a conservative politician being Biden versus a white supremacist who is, I mean, fundamentally pro-violence. And actively trying to kill you through a not stopping this pandemic. And nobody is painting Biden as something he isn't. Nobody is doing the Hillary thing. We learned our lesson. There is such a thing as growth. Like, Hillary was painted as a saint. She lost. That was fucked up. We were, we were fooled. Nobody is fooling us that we have control right now of our own like we, you cannot you can sh- you can show me all of the narratives you can get me cra- trapped in any echo chamber but like when you look at Trump and you look at Biden you're like Biden is not going to do anything to help me Trump is going to do a lot of things to hurt a lot of people so it's like yeah. if you're pro hurting people you won't vote if you're you know what i mean like but nobody is nobody thinks that Biden is Obama. Nobody thinks that he's going to be any sort of like saving grace. But it is he is not forming a small militia or a large militia of white supremacists who support him. And it's yeah. like at this point, they, it just comes down to like racism between them. But when it comes down to capitalism and transformation and socialism, that's completely on. It's completely on our our generation because Biden isn't going to do it, and the next president and after Biden hopefully will do it. And if we swing the Senate and whatnot, but it is like 
I mean, that just comes down to like our purchasing power and how much we communicate with each other and with like compassion and vulnerability, I think. Totally. Which, yeah. Which is like something we can do because we do, we don't live in China and we do have the internet and we are, f- we freak out when somebody takes our freedom away or censors us, but. Totally. Well, yeah. and also like to kind of full circle it a bit is like, while I don't believe that I could have, I could do what my mom, my mother did in the nineties yeah. or, you know, early two thousands. Like I don't, I don't know how she did it, how she survived it. And like how, you know, we were talking about that earlier. Like, I don't know how she did that. And like a lot of people of her generation, like there's like, people are just always doing things that just don't seem fathomable. Yeah. And I think our generation, her generations was raising a bunch of kids with fucking violent partners or, you know, like, I don't know. It's ours is trying to like, I don't know. The impossible that we are going to have to tackle is like rebuilding the economy so it works for everyone. Right. And it's not going to be remembering to change so and so's diaper, pick the other one up from work, get them all in time, and have them be like well adjusted people in the end, which was a really hard endeavor. Yeah. We don't have that endeavor. We don't have that. We don't have, you know, if you're not having kids, then the, yeah, I totally agree. Your baby right now is to figure out how to not. Live your life for the sake of somebody else's yacht. Yeah, totally. You know? And how to maybe get those kids out of cages at the border and how to, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, there's, it's like, there's plenty of fucking impossible things that we have to kind of figure out how to work our way through. Um, and it's probably better for the planet that y'all don't just go have five kids. Yeah, don't have five kids. Yeah. These don't days. Just get a French bulldog or a snake plant. I got so many snake plants. Yeah. I actually killed two recently. How do you kill a snake plant? That's hard to do. I think it was dead when I got it. I just had it in mm-hmm. soil and it looked alive. And then it's finally like, I don't it's know. It's pretty hard to do to kill a snake plant. I've done it. Yeah. 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 See? Don't have kids. Yeah. I'd be a fucking great dad. <laughs> no, just we kidding. all think that we would be a great dad. Everybody's like, I think I would. I think I, we would all be great. We would all be good at it. It's not like they would. We'd figure it out. Because we're introspective and have podcasts. <laughs> I can steal twice as many groceries from Whole Foods, no problem. You know what I mean? Well, I mean, kids don't eat as much as I do. Uh, no, yeah, <laughs> totally. They're little. But I, I really want to talk more about like your your life in comedy, and we didn't even get to any of that. Oh yeah, we could have really. a two parter. Um, but I'm kind of beat right now. So yeah, do you want to agree to like come back on the show again at some point and talk more like comedy and yeah totally whatnot? I know we didn't get into the start of comedy yet. We'll do yeah, totally. Too. And I, but I, it's also I think like a great episode for election day. Yeah, just us great. ranting about like stealing from corporations and like yeah. yeah, I think it's great. I'm fucking stoked about everything we talked about. It's just yeah. like very unconventional for. Then again, my podcasts are always just kind of fucking off. Oh, you're a pro skier? Cool. Talk to me about that. <laughs> you um, know, like, yeah. Uh, I fucking, it's just like an excuse for me to just like have bullshit conversations with people I think are interesting and inspiring. So, yeah, as most podcasts, there's so many podcasts. There's so many podcasts. Mine is like an excuse, Flat Bottom Girls podcast. Listen to it. It's just an excuse for me to talk about the insane shit that I did over the week. It's just like a full debrief. 
which is oh, like really? nobody gives a damn about that. I wanted to listen to one of your episodes, oh, oh but goodness. I haven't yet. They're they're dirty and they're very. I sometimes I listen to them and I'm like, I cannot believe that. I I mean, I go full. I'm sure, I'm sure I talk about you and I hanging out. I talk about every like everything gets on. It's same with my stand up. Everything gets aired out, but in the oh, okay. podcast, same same exact thing. So it's called Flat Bottom Girls. Mm-hmm. And uh, where else can my listeners find you, Jordan? I'm only on Instagram, um, which is Jordan Jensen. LOL. Stop. All one word. All one, there's no spaces on. No Instagram. spaces. No stops. Um, Just yeah, the word LOL stop. stop. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know why. Jordan Jensen. LOL. Stop. Hell yeah. Um, and that's and then besides that, you can find me at on a bunch of rooftops all the time. Yeah, well, rooftop shows are probably slowing down a little bit. They're winding maybe. down. They're still happening a little bit. Last night was so cold. We still had, there were still three. It was sick. Oh, yeah. And people bundle up. Yeah. Yeah. We s- I used to watch football games. People go to football games That's in the really cold. Good point. Yeah. I used to see hockey games all the time. Yeah. It's the best. You get hot cocoa. They got to have ice for hockey. Yeah. So it's got to be cold. It's got to be cold. I don't know much about hockey, but I imagine it's got to be cold. They definitely have to have ice. I, I don't know if that. I've ever been to a hockey game. Oh wow, I've been to so many hockey. Yeah, games. I grew up in Arizona. Not a whole lot of yeah. hockey going on there. Yeah. Um, well, cool. It's great to have you on and uh, talk about fucking the revolution. Um, and uh, thanks for tuning in to Dirtbag's Guide to Life on the Road. This is Chuck. If you want to listen to my music, please do on whatever streaming service you use. Uh, Charles Ellsworth is my is my my name in which I release music under and uh yeah find me on instagram charles.smellsworth and if you want to support the show please go to patreon.com forward slash charles ellsworth and uh sign up to throw in a couple bucks each month and help me make more podcasts and more videos and more music and buy more snake plants buy more snake plants that i will do my best not to kill um yeah thanks for coming on jordan and thanks everyone for listening Safe travels. Mm-hmm.